Hello, 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 everybody, and welcome to I Like to Movie Movie. I want to say happy Friday. I don't know if it's Friday for you. It's Friday for me. I feel good. It was a particularly uh, crazy week, so it's good to get together and talk about some movies, more importantly, talking about movie movies. My name is Dan Scully. My name is Garrett Smith. And uh, with us, we have, uh, you've been on the show before. You were here for... Children of Men. Children, Children of Men. Men. Oh, I love that movie. You guys should go so back and So you know him, you love him. This is uh, Mr. Steve Richards. Hello, everyone. Welcome back, Steve. Thanks for having me. Uh, Steve, have you seen anything in the interim since you were last on the podcast that you want to just throw out there as a recommend? Yeah, a couple things. I don't really see a lot of... I kind of see movies when I want to. I'm not mm. really... Uh, I see a mo- new movie rarely. I'll go back and see things that have been recommended to me in the past. Um, but I do want to mention, I was, I've been listening in preparation to Beyond This Podcast. Ah. I've been listening to old episodes of Movie Movie. <laughs> oh, and shit. somebody in Fleeting mentioned Cavalry. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Which I fucking love. Yeah. I got to stop there. Calvary. Sorry. Yes. Calvary. <laughs> Calvary. Calvary is bringing the cavalry, and they have bugles. And they, well, uh, I'll tell you what. Yeah. It was still very good. It was a good movie. <laughs> yes. It was you, really were, good. you were fucked up for days. <laughs> <laughs> it, that movie yeah. really fucked I've me up. I've never seen you really be sad. Like, I could tell if something's bugging you. Yeah. But, like, I remember after you watched that movie, you didn't, you didn't even really feel like talking about it uh-uh. because you were having, like, a crisis yeah it really it just made me think about dying a lot and i couldn't it really, handle it it was a, it was definitely rough it was yeah. a rough it was a rough watch but it was also really good uh, i was then, clearing through notes on my phone the other day and i actually had a note in my phone from when i watched calvary whoa and it was just a quote and it said you know how you're getting old Nobody talks to you about death anymore, <laughs> or nobody says death around you yeah. anymore. And that—that's—I think that is the tone of the movie. Right? Yeah, because that's yeah. a funny line. It is, but it's also just like, oh, that's fucked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm fucking old. Mm-hmm. My favorite line from the movie is: "I feel there's something along the lines of out of all of the like good things in the world, I feel that forgiveness is the most underrated." Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and I feel yeah. like that just really just that's the tone to the entire movie. Even like right up to the end. Yeah, but that's not the movie we're here to talk about. No, it is uh, not. Well, I was just curious if you uh, what you had seen that you really liked. I, I love that you watched that on our recommendation. And you liked it. That's great. Well, I actually watched it before. Oh, okay, fair enough. But fair I wanted right. to go back to it just for a little bit because I yeah. fucking love that movie so much. Um, Listen, I'm going to put this out there to you two and our listeners. I'm going to turn a fan on because it's hot as shit already. We're two minutes into this thing. So there's going to be a little bit of a fuzz in the background of this one, but I think it'll be not that noticeable. Well, you turn the fan on. I want to say this. uh, As of today, which is July 24th, a movie that was a favorite for Movie Movie uh, just hit Netflix, The Guest. So I think we are going to do an episode of that sometime soon. Uh, I think it merits one. But uh, The Guest is out. So if you have not watched that yet, maybe we should do that for 50. Get some people in. I mean, that was your number one last year, that right? That was my number one last and, year. Yeah, I that really was a fantastic movie. It. So maybe uh, next week for fifty, go home watch the guest. You yes. can watch it now if you have Netflix. If you it's... don't have Netflix, you probably you probably it... don't listen to the show anyway. So you know, if you don't have Netflix, it is worth the whatever seven dollars it costs a oh, month yeah. right now to make the guest the movie you watch to uh, come into our show with next 
next week, mm-hmm. uh, two weeks from now, whenever it uh, whenever drops, we do so it. a week or two. Uh, and then you'll have Netflix and can watch a lot of the stuff that we watch along with us because we tend to, to pick stuff that's streaming generally. And while you're while we're talking business, I'll just throw this out there. Do uh, it. August 18th, uh, August 13th, 13th. 813, 813, 813, 813. <laughs> Thursday, 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 August 13th, two days before. Before this guy, pointing to myself, turns 31. <laughs> yep. But uh, a- age shit. is just a number. And you know what? You know who's proof that age is just a number? That's right. My main man, Jason Statham. Jason Statham, baby. He gets healthier and younger every day, and I don't know how old he is. But we're doing a show dedicated to Jason Statham. Yes, so we come are. on out to Movie Movie Live. Yes. Jason Statham edition. We're going to transport you <laughs> into a world of car chases fueled by crank. hearts that stop if they don't have methadone in them and yep. shit yes i'm gonna be there but on my way there i'm going to just plow through a construction site in my <laughs> oh, chrysler shit. and go up a ramp and knock a bomb off the bottom <laughs> of my car with a crane that's hanging ever so slightly i just now. watched that movie for the first time this week and boy <laughs> is that some immediate disappointment like oh, i watched yeah. the first one a few days before for the first time i was like oh this is good yeah. i can't wait to see more of this and then as soon as it started i was like oh this is bad i don't want to see any more of this yeah as soon as you're in the hospital and then yeah. that chick oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, it's, game it's, over yep, i don't want to yep. watch this at oh, all it was so weird did you see furious seven no the very opening scene of Furious Seven uh-huh. is just a—it's like a, I guess an out like a kind of a drone shot going up through a multi-layer hospital, and it's just—it's destroyed. Like every there's just dead bodies everywhere, walls are blown out, and all this stuff. And we get to the one room that's occupied. There's two nurses, Jason Statham's brother, who's in a hospital because of the events of Furious Six, mm-hmm. and Jason Statham's there. And so we have to presume that Jason Statham. Killed everyone. Oh yeah, the movie opens and at the end of another action demands movie. demands that the nurses better take good care of him, <laughs> even though he has destroyed the facilities Completely. beyond any sort of like usefulness. <laughs> and it's awesome. <laughs> and then he asks, when are visiting hours over? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he gives them the tag and yeah. thanks them politely and cracks open an orangina. And just, you know, he drank orangina like a maniac yeah. in a transporter. <laughs> That's the movie that turned me on to Orangina. Oh, really? It's delicious. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. I once called it Orangina and got really Ooh. laughed at because mm-hmm. yeah. mm-hmm. it sounds like vagina. It sounds like vagina. <laughs> yes, it does. So, uh, uh, but we, yeah, so Jason yeah. Statham, August 13th. Come see it. Philomoka. It's going to be awesome. It's so, be this is kind of a, a curated episode because you brought a movie. This is since we started this show. Yeah. You, Steve, have been asking me when you do this movie, I want to be on for this movie. S- and it's happened today. Since the very first episode of The Shining, I listened to it and texted you, when are you going to do Ocean's Eleven? <laughs> yeah, because that's what we all think of as we're watching The Shining. Yeah. When are we going to watch Ocean's Eleven? You know what would make mm. this movie better? If there was a heist. Yeah. yeah. Brad know? Pitt, eating. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like a heist would make a lot of movies better. That's why I'm interested to see Ant-Man. Oh, Ant-Man is just a heist movie with superhero tech. Yeah. That's all it is. I'm it's excited. awesome. Uh, but Ocean's Eleven has been my favorite movie since I... F- Ocean's Eleven, actually, is probably the reason I got into movies. Really? Really? Yeah. Uh, I did a sh- I had a short stint at film school when I first got out of high school. Decided I liked movies more than I wanted to be a part of them and Ocean's 11 was a big part of that. Uh, I kind of grew up on it. Um, when I first saw it in high school, I it just so- bled with such raw awesomeness and fun and badassery and coolness like It's totally yeah. a badass movie. Yeah. That's like mm-hmm. the best adjective for it. But like nobody gets killed. Like no mm. one like there's there's no fight no scenes. No bloodshed. Yeah. It's just like it's so it's many all in good background fun. badass things are happening and it's just so much fun. And I yeah. I've watched that movie probably about maybe in the triple digits of times I've seen mm. that movie. 
It's it's honestly probably my anytime someone's like, "What top five movies?" Ocean's Eleven is always on there. It's really? like, at some point, yeah. I, I never hear anyone say that, but I I think it's valid. Yeah, it's, I think it's a very valid choice. I mean, you don't you don't get like a it, it is a franchise now, but if that didn't catch that, you know that that could have easily just been a one off. Yeah, you know, and and the and the odds are against it. You have to stack all of those celebrities together at once to do this. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that it, that it became a thing. I think that's a testament to how good the first one is. I agree. I like the other ones. They're great. I, I love cool. the other ones. Uh, Three, I could probably do without, but one yeah. and two are fucking awesome. I, Three's still a lot of fun, though. Yeah. That that whole uh, the dice thing, the dice factory where Casey Affleck and Scott Conn are rioting. <laughs> yeah. Because they, they're actually moved by the plight of the workers <laughs> at the dice factory. And what's so good about it is all of the Ocean's Eleven guys don't go, fucking get on the job and, yeah. and we have to do this. They go down there and they, they solve the workers' problems. <laughs> yeah. And that's, all, that's some fast family shit. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. That's like... You know, the reason I didn't good like fun. the third one when I first saw it was because the entire time, and this attests to that, I was wondering what the hell is going on right now. Like yeah. all of the teammates were kind of like spread out. Like everyone kind of. I was had just going to ask: thing. Is the third one the one where like the the way to sort of sell us on doing this again is now instead of one big heist, even though it does become that, it's everybody's doing their own little heists that are all like separate from each other. I remember one of them starts that way where everybody gets sent on their own little mission. Yeah, I don't. Is the I, third I don't one? remember that. I did. That's a, I know that's, what you mean, but I don't know. Is that the second? That's essentially how it's set up. And so, and a little bit of it was kind of cool because at the end of it, you feel like you got one pulled over on you. Like, right. Because it looked like everything was falling apart. Every, everyone was failing their individual heists. Right. But then at the end, again, it was all part of the plan. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ocean's Eleven can't be fucking killed or or lose. They can never <laughs> lose. I want to make a movie it'll be it'll be like Ocean's 345. And for the first 90 minutes they're like, "Oh, and we're going to need this guy." And they give you the little profile and they do that and it all builds up to the last 3 minutes where they just all run into a bank and just take everything <laughs> with sheer force. And they just, you know, and some of them get away, some of them don't. Yeah. Maybe eleven survive. <laughs> it's just it's like prequel. the great, ex- the great escape. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it could be a prequel. It's the job that sends Danny Ocean to prison. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's like the fucking transporter. Yeah. he's always yeah. finishing the job in the first half of the the first part of the movie is him finishing the job, yep. and then the second one is him botching a job and then killing the employer and yep. somehow getting hired again. Mm-hmm. He's bad. He's so good. Ocean's he's not <laughs> good at his job. So is Eleven. <laughs> he's good at incorporating karate into his job. So the good, the the first thing I think we pointed out about this movie, and Garrett, you said it was. Yeah. Thanks the, for keeping our show on the road. I'm trying <laughs> so hard to keep this on on track because I've been waiting for this episode for so long. Um, but the first thing I, Garrett said was uh, the color scheme. Is it you know? Yeah, that. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very saturated. That's the of, word I was looking for. Saturated. Yeah. yeah. It's like every scene has its own flavor of color mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and i i couldn't like it's it's not like the matrix where when you're in the matrix it's green and when you're in the real world it's blue well actually but there was in traffic yeah yes. in traffic there's four different areas and it goes red blue yeah you know green and Yellow, i don't know i think sparkles. Yeah. and it's but each of them represents that when they jump around you don't have to go oh they're here right oh it's just the color you know palette it. tells you as exactly. soon as you get there and i'm and not I think sure it's like, used to affect in this because as we're watching the machine of the movie come together it's important that they can cut back and forth mm-hmm. without establishing you know what's you know, without showing you like we're in the casino you know yeah. you can just boom i'm not sure like the uh, and to that point i'm not sure that it it's so drastic as with traffic mm. like where you're oh, like, no, not at all we're yeah. like oh i'm in mexico because i can tell it's fucking golden and and you know uh desaturated in that way it looks like a sepia photograph 
but it's it's to the point where you know when you're in the vault, you know we're in the casino, you yeah. know when you're outside, you know we're in your in, you're in like the outside of Las Vegas. It's it's still a useful tool, but it's very like a lot of other things in this movie. It's very undertoned. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, it's slick. the The movie itself is sort of you know, that. That's why heist movies are fun. Yeah. Is because you you have. You have to be along for the ride, mm-hmm. but at the end, you have to have been had. Yeah. Oh, yep. the guy, and you know, that that's the formula for every heist. They're pulling movie the heist ever. on you. Exactly. Yeah. You're being heisted. And so I think that color palette is used in a way that smooth talking is used. You know, it shows you the story. It takes you where you're going without outright telling you. You know, it's the same as when, when they're schmoozing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's the same kind of thing. That's, that's fun. And I think that that's the reason why this was my favorite movie when I was growing up, because I did watch it like 20 times. And only on that 20th time, I was like, that's what fucking happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> they why fucking they put that. the video in, and then now I get the SWAT team took the money. Damn it, Brad Pitt, you handsome bastard. <laughs> you son of a bitch. So, oh, wait, let's see if we can do it. Let's name the 11. Oh, okay. so, boy. Um, actors Dan- and characters, if we can. Okay. Danny Ocean. So, Danny Ocean, George, George Clooney. Clooney. Russ um, Cole. No, no, uh, no, Russ Cole is, is Matthew, Matthew McConaughey. McConaughey. <laughs> detective. It's, it's Rusty. Rusty Pitt. Yeah, <laughs> Rust, Rusty. I think That's it's my porn Rust name, Rusty Pitt. Isn't it Rusty? It's Rusty. Yeah. Yeah. Redheaded porn star, but she doesn't shave her armpits. She's called Rusty Pitt. That's, that's oh, played by Juliet Roberts. Three T. <laughs> yeah. No, Juliet Lewis. Oh. <laughs> She's more porn starry to me. Topher Grace as himself. Okay, yeah. I guess he's one of the eleven. So. No. No. <laughs> Is he no? Okay, I don't he's, know. okay. He's, a, he's an, How do we do that? We lost player. it. Let's no, we we start over. Let's start over. Okay, Danny George Ocean, George Clooney, Brad Pitt, Russ Cole. Uh, Matt, Matt Damon, Linus, Matt Damon, Linus. Linus Caldwell. Linus Caldwell, yeah. nice. Yeah. Um, uh, Bernie that, Mac as himself. Uh, wait, as Frank. Frank Cat uh, Ocean. Cat yeah. Kat, Katniss. Something, yeah. Frank Katniss Frank Everdeen. Ocean. Frank yeah. Martin. Um, That's the transporter for Basher Tar, played by Don Cheadle. Don Man, Cheadle. I can't believe he pulled his whole name out. Uh, it was actually, um, there was like a film message board when I was growing up in like seventh grade and my, my username was Basher Tar. Okay, wow, there you go. Nice. That's how much I love this movie. Uh, nice. If okay. I need to keep pointing that out, I will. What is Scott Kahn's name? Scott Kahn and oh, Casey, Casey Affleck, Affleck are brother. like the the something brothers. Yeah, I don't I don't know. The Bash brothers from Mighty Ducks. Yeah. The Scolari brothers, Casey yes. Affleck, and now we've tied it into Ghostbusters. Um, so <laughs> we're up to seven. Yeah. Gould, Furious Elliot seven. Gould. Elliot Gould, Gould, Carl Reiner. And and uh, as the old guys, and then yeah, um, the uh, Chinese guy, Chinese guy. Oh, that's awful. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> Oriental guy. Regard him as such, though, in the, in the movie. I know he's he's the grease man. Which one is he? He's the tiny Chinese guy. Oh, yeah, that's that's that an actual is, line from the movie. Do I'm we not count? Do we count Julia Roberts as no, Tess? No, she's in twelve, dude. Oh, she's the twelve. Yeah, no, okay. Nerdy McNerdson that we don't know his name is oh, the guy, yeah, the computer yeah. guy. So we did that. We did the eleven. Yeah, I want to yeah. get that actor's name. Um, uh, yeah, because you said he's in Schizopolis, his uh, Soderbergh's first insane. movie. Yeah. It's it's uh, I, there's no way to describe it. It's Wes Anderson-y. It's very very 1993. I think that's mm-hmm. I, I think it's 96. It's just crazy. It, I'm it, glad you said Wes Anderson because there's something I want to point out about Soderbergh is that he's never done the same thing twice. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned. I mean, if you want to count Outside the, oceans, of the oceans, yeah, if you want to count yeah. Oceans 12, 13, but even those in themselves. Eddie like we were Jemison just ta- is the guy's name. Like we're and just the talking about outside. Livingston Dell. Okay, <laughs> um, his name is Dell. Like we're talking about outside. Like even guy. the Ocean's yeah. series, like in of, of themselves, like each individual movie, there is something different in each one. Oh, absolutely. But the thing I like about Soderbergh is that like you never, 
unless you know Soderbergh did it, you can't say, oh, that's a Soderbergh movie. Like, you can't mm. say, oh, the Scorsese movie, that's a Wes Anderson movie, that's a Spielberg movie. He's also a really interesting case of, like, do one for the studio and then do one for me, because even when mm. he does one for the studio, sometimes that's, like, haywire. Sometimes that's just as strange and interesting as some of the stuff he haywire does for him. So yeah. You know what I mean? Ass. It's like... It, oh, it was so good. But then once, once somebody says, this is a Soderbergh movie, you look at it and you're like, oh, yes, yeah, you are absolutely right. This is definitely movie. a Soderbergh yeah. movie. That's why I like it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've actually not seen uh, Sex, Lies, and Videotape. Oh, and that was like the big thing that That's actually put him on the map, right? About, yeah. yeah, that was '94 Cannes Film Festival. Like that was same year as Pulp Fiction, I think, yeah. wasn't it? It had yeah, to have still been. getting past his producer credits. Woo. <laughs> um, you know what else is awesome about Soderbergh? He's he's just a genius. There's a list that gets released every year of. Everything that Soderbergh has Full read awesome. and watched oh, right. oh, yeah. every year, yep. and it's so detailed. It's down to I watched Arrested Development season two, Dude. episode twelve, on this day at this time. I do that because of Steven Soderbergh. Yeah, I have three years worth of that. That's insane. Yeah, and awesome. It's that means you're fun. a genius, nah. and I want to be in your oceans movie. <laughs> oh, right on. Oh well, no, my oceans movie that I wrote during watching this movie is a, you know what? I'll pitch it now. Um, I came up with this idea. This is how they should make Ocean's 14. It's called Ocean's 11 Presents <laughs> Clooney's 11. <laughs> now, the original 11 get together and go, we were pretty good in that movie. <laughs> we should do a heist. And then <laughs> they Bernie try Mac. to, you know, if we're going to break yeah. that, let's go all the way. Yeah. And yeah, they do it for Bernie Mac yeah, or something. Yeah. They're going to, you know, rob his pneumonia yeah. doctor or something like that. I don't know. I haven't, it's it's underwritten. <laughs> but uh, that but might not be the most tasteful we have, way we could to actually go put about him it. in it. Yeah, exactly. You know? That's true. We we could Paul Walker him. Yeah. We could reverse Walker him. Just get CeeLo Green to stand yeah. in for him. <laughs> You'd have to give him bigger arms, <laughs> oh, yeah. though. CeeLo's got the T Rex. fixing post. But the whole movie would be them trying to be these characters and failing miserably. And uh-huh. then, of course, haphazardly, by sheer just force of will, they managed to pull off a different superior heist that they didn't mean to. That sounds like a Fast and Furious movie, though. I mean,. <laughs> you know, there's there's nothing I'm going to write that isn't uh, <laughs> yeah. infused with the Fast family on some level. All right, so, I dig it. I yeah. dig it. So Ocean's Eleven presents Clooney's Eleven. Clooney's Eleven. I was trying to go to an infu- infused with Nas joke somewhere in there. Oh, I was God trying to figure it. that out as you were. <laughs> that was that silence. That was my brain going like Nas, Nas, say Nas. Find a way to get Nas in there. I thought you, Honestly, I thought the fact you said that you brought Nas, it up is enough for me. I appreciate the connection being <laughs> yeah. made. If there's no if there's no joke, that's fine. <laughs> I, I get it. It's yeah. funny. <laughs> Uh, no, I wasn't. I didn't mean Nas the rapper. He's the only rapper not in that series. He can be Ocean's Fourteen. <laughs> but now let's let's go this way. Fast Five is a movie that changed the format of mm-hmm. the Fast and Furious movies, and Fast Five does not exist without something like like Ocean's Eleven. Right. Uh, I mean, short of the the bells and whistles that make it a fast movie, it wouldn't be as good. It's it's a heist movie, yeah. mm-hmm. and the way they do it is the exact same way, where they say, "Okay, here's the score. Let's assemble the team." Let's show you the score. Let's pull the rug out from under you, and you actually didn't know the score. Mm-hmm. And that's that is a tried and true format, and it it you know launched the fast franchise with the help of Dwayne. Uh, they call him the Rock Johnson. <laughs> um, Jans- yeah, Johnson, and mm. the the addition of him also helps. But <laughs> hey, he can be the fourteenth Ocean. The addition of him apparently helps everything right now. Have you seen how many movies just got greenlit on his name? Oh yeah, like yep. a t- just like over the last two weeks, like four new movies got greenlit on his name. He's the man. Yep. He's the rock. <laughs> he's, he's so good. Who doesn't like him? 
If he I showed up it. in Ocean's 14, my oh, first thought would, would be like, sense. oh, he, he's wrong for this. And then I'd watch him be like, this is the best Ocean's movie yeah. by a huge margin because <laughs> what if, of The Rock. What if The Rock is who they're robbing in Ocean's 14? What Ooh, if The Rock is robbing the rock them? Is a villain. I like that. Yeah. yeah. And because they'd be robbing The Rock. You know what I'm saying? Like, because mm. in your version, this is the actors that oh, played all these characters. True. So they'd be yeah. robbing The Rock. I like that. Oh, that's amazing. But The Rock hasn't done anything. He's probably just like, oh, no, guys, no, no, no. here's what? how we do it. Here's how we do it. They're robbing another casino, but the casino is hosting a wrestling event that's the return uh, of The Rock. Uh, and of course, he's going to be like the inside man that we didn't know yeah. about. And it's going to be a whole thing. I love Who it. are they robbing? Just Duh. like Julia Roberts. Playing Julia Roberts <laughs> playing Julia Roberts yeah. in yes. Avengers 12. Yeah. To fool Bruce Willis. To fool yeah. Bruce Willis. I forgot he was in that movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that. That's been one of my favorite jokes. It, just internal jokes is I I would love for a movie just to do that like anyone ever tell you you look a lot like Arnold Schwarzenegger I'm like I've never heard it before like, <laughs> that would be so funny and they did that and used it to further the plot in yeah. Ocean's Twelve yeah. and that's that's about the most interesting way you can do it and I feel like that's the linchpin that condemns that movie for a lot of people and I love it I think it's you know yeah I get why it's stupid but I, I don't see why it's I think it was why one, not yeah because you can. And they did. Well, I, d- I haven't seen that movie in a long time. I need to see it again to actually like really have an opinion on it. I definitely remember not liking that movie, but I remember that scene being the linchpin, but only because I was already not liking the movie. Mm-hmm. And so then that sort of then step out of reality was like, oh, of course this fucking movie is going to... You know what I mean? It was mm-hmm. like, yeah, fine, whatever you want. Yeah. <laughs> it was, uh, I think that's why it gets that reaction. Well, but, or it was for me anyway. I, I think that then the, the solution is uh, rewatch it and see. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's see what, what I want to do. Yeah. I do, yeah. Because I would, I would actually like to rewatch it. It's been ages. Since I was I've a seen teenager it, too. Know? It was like at the height of my cynical movie watching. You know yep. what I mean? So it could have been that too. I think that it works, and it took me a while to come to this realization. But I think that it works because of something that we pointed out while watching Ocean's Eleven, which was they've got all these different schemes and playbooks in their heads, and they just like like that scene where Brad Pitt is rattling off, "Well, you're gonna need a." You know, a we do poster and a you know bookshelf right, yeah. with speakers. You, you know, the Kansas gotta, City yeah, shuffle exactly, yeah. and you're gonna. By the way, I just mentioned things that I just saw on the wall. Oh, okay. um, Kaiser Soze, the I just uh, yeah. referenced Lucky Number Slevin. Sorry, yeah, so. that's a good movie too. <laughs> but they have all these things that that are just in their like grifter's toolbox, and why not have that be one of them? You've already established the universe that they live in, so impersonating they impersonate people all the time. Oh, impersonating that's a con thing to do. Ins- yeah. Impersonating somebody that already exists is what they do. So yeah. why, like, just because? That person that they were imitating happened to be the actress playing that character. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's just a tongue-in-cheek thing, and people just took it way too seriously. Yeah. And you, you know got to go back to the too? first movie and think that say, like, Lennox look at the Lewis entire exists thing. in that movie. Yes. It's the real world. Yeah, yeah. So Julia Roberts does. They're exist. playing poker with Topher Grace and the oh, guy the from Seventh Heaven at the beginning. Thing. Then that means everybody would just people would run in and then be like George Clooney. That's like, what I'm saying. Danny yeah, Ocean. well, Garrett George pointed that out. Garrett pointed that out as Topher Grace is walking out. Brad Pitt just kind of walks out, and Garrett's like, oh. Brad Pitt just walks right past yeah, yeah, Topher yeah. Grace is like meet greeting all the fans but That's again so I wouldn't have to have that problem with it if in the second movie yeah. they didn't go like hey you look like that actress that exists yeah, yeah, in yeah. our world yeah, I know. But again, it's... See, I feel like that's the thing is, if that's the line, yeah, you know, it, then it just comes down to, do you love that they cross? Because right, I see exactly, the line. Exactly. I see the line yeah. and I love that they cross it because fuck it. Exactly. But that's that, and I might feel differently attitude. about that at this point. Yeah, I'm making true. the cognitive choice to suspend my disbelief because I love these characters so much. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And you know, and I think that's something, to bring it back to Ocean's Eleven, that we should talk about is the characters. The characters, In totally. something like this, it's very difficult to introduce 11 people. Mm-hmm. Many movies have a hard time doing, you know... 
four. Yep. And this isn't episodic like a Magnolia where it jumps back and forth to different characters and thusly juggles it's, them. It's you know, practically in that a way. long montage. It's just, it really yeah. did, and yeah. it plays like a montage. I and mean, we were all noticing the transitions. It's either yeah. hard cuts or. You said Star Wars like transitions, but it's yeah. usually Wipes. something with something yeah. in scene, like the elevator doors closing, yeah, or the, the cameras in motion up. moving fast to the right, exactly. and then suddenly we're moving fast to the right into another scene. There's no scene. static shots. Yeah. Even the one, you know, there's a million different shots where it's focused on the foreground, and then it slides, and then the background comes, and yeah. they switch the focus, or vice versa. And you know, because of that, it, it just kind of it lubricates the the way the movie washes across. It's got you. a real ebb and flow to it. It just it exactly. keeps moving, kind of. Uh, it, when it keeps it from being expositional in terms of the characters, because right. there's no, we're not saying, oh, meet Linus. He's a plucky guy who right. wants to prove himself. Instead, we see them already in process, mm-hmm. and so then we just have to pick it up, and then it's a credit to the actors. Yeah, and essentially, what you get in that. Little, I'll call it the Armageddon montage mm-hmm. because that's exactly what they did in Armageddon, yep. but in just the Jerry Bruckheimer way. Uh, and this one, you actually More fire. get, yeah, and this one, you actually <laughs> get, name. um, <laughs> fucking well, and in, in Armageddon, what's his name, Mike Clark Duncan, just riding down the fucking street <laughs> in, a, in a hog, and like, you can't get me, and like, that's like, all right, Mike Clark Duncan is no, a it. badass yeah. guy, so but in this one, you actually get meat on the bone when you get into Juicy's characters because. Um, that guy that you just looked up on IMDb, uh, uh, yes, uh, is yelling at Dindel. yelling at cops, <laughs> but for touching his equipment. And Linus is very obviously taking a wallet from some guy because he's mm. new. Um, Don Cheadle's character is on another heist that is messed up by people he's working with. Like yeah. you get mm. all these awesome small things that just attribute so much to that character in such a. Sh- it's like an elevator pitch for each character. Yeah. Like you, know, you have. 30 seconds to figure out what this and guy's about. it helps, about. too, that they're also larger-than-life characters. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, they're a little bit bigger so that, you know, you buy any holes in their background. It's like, oh, this is what they do. These are, this is Ocean's Eleven. And what? I think that Livingston Dell had the best introduction because right after he yells at the cops for touching his equipment, you see Danny and Russ, um, like, at the table, and in the background you see Livingston, like, tripping over a dog leash in the park. <laughs> oh, yeah, And yeah, I'm yeah. like, that's so perfect because while they're, they're killing two birds with one stone, you have more dialogue continuing the story between Danny and Russ, and you have all right. This guy's obviously a kind of a clumsy, dull-looking guy. Mm, yeah, but he's yeah. really intelligent with computers. And there's, there's a joke that turns into a character development there too, because they they don't see him, and it's funny to watch him in the background, and then they do see him, and then the way that they regard him says how well they know him yeah. and all that kind of stuff, and so we know that there's a history there. What I like about it too is like you. It, it's so interesting that we're we're talking about a movie. We're talking about its characters, and I do really like the characters, and I think it's what makes the movie work. We're also talking about a movie that doesn't tell us much about any of these characters. Mm-hmm. We never learn a lot about anybody, yeah. and nobody really has any personal arcs except for Danny, really. Uh, and normally, I feel like that's like a bad thing, and not necessarily a bad thing. But it would, you would be overstuffed. Yeah. This. Oh, absolutely, it would. What's great is the mo- what I think the reason the movie gets away with it is what the movie is actually about is the interactions between those characters. Yeah. It's not about them sort of growing as characters over the course of the story what you get away with in a heist movie is the heist is the story so you don't have to you know nobody has to have an emotional journey necessarily mm-hmm. the heist is the story yeah and we just get to watch these characters we enjoy that like you said we get just enough about at the beginning to go like okay i know who that guy is and mm-hmm. then we just watch them go into a powder keg together and just start yeah. you know the way their characters play off of each other becomes the fun of the movie it's 
I, I keep using this analogy, but they're building machine. Yeah. And so we see the parts of the machine. We see how they work together. Mm-hmm. And as that, we you know, because of that, we go, okay, I get how this works. I see where this is going. Yeah. But then when the full machine is assembled and we see how the parts really work together in the big picture, there's your reveal. Absolutely. But that's you know that that's how they set them up is. You know, we are getting background, but really we're getting what is their function. Uh-huh. And not in the literal sense, like he's the computer guy, but like their functionality and how this whole essential charade is going to play out. Right. You know? Yeah, because even while Basher, Don Cheadle's character, is in that heist, what's he doing? Blowing shit up. He's the yeah. Muslims guy. Yep. But I think they also, and like to your point, Garrett, the well, they do so well of establishing this universe, and I'll say that again, in the in the beginning of the film, that you just get a sense that it's honor among thieves, like, yeah. To the T. Like everybody knows each other. Mm-hmm. Like, mm. hey, uh, they all stay like, at I'll, the I'll go to Dan Hotel. like, hey, you know what Garrett's doing these days? Oh, yeah, he's grifting down by the old uh, yep. Shimmer Shrimp, yeah. you know? And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm, I got to go talk to him about a job. Shackamaxon Street. Shackamaxon Street. <laughs> go to the Max. Get your action at Shackamaxon. It's like kicks on Route 66 will yeah. be more extreme. <laughs> and Sha- Shaquille O'Neal will be <laughs> there. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, inside baseball. So speaking of the characters, there's, there's another thing I want to talk about that I just noticed this viewing, and this is the one billionth time I've seen this movie. But... Um, Danny and Russ are kind of conning everyone they go in, yes. everyone they meet. Even mm. in the beginning of the poker game, when Russ is like, oh, he's bluffing. Yeah. You know, and the, all the actors just keep putting money in, putting money in. And Russ at one point is like, I don't know, guys, do what you want to do. You know, he's going to, you know, you got to learn. And then they make out with like, what, $10,000 from <laughs> yeah. these actors? Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. sure they split that. And then they. That's con- how they funded the, you know, the next two minutes that. of the That's movie. And yeah, yeah, they right. con. Well, they. Con- they- yeah, they spent $150 million to steal $150 million. <laughs> yep. They conned um, Elliot Gould's character into giving them yep. money oh, yeah, that because. That was great when they. And they you could tell, that. like, the ticky tack, like, the way they had the dialogue, they were working so well together. When they were, and when they were walking so- away, and he was like, well, just out of curiosity, what casinos are you talking about? And Danny looks at Russ like, Wait, which ones are they again? But yeah. they, they fucking know yeah, exactly yeah, yeah, which yeah. one they are. But he even says it in his face, right, when he was like, yeah. those are all Benedict's casinos. Clooney looks at, at Pitt and just gives him like a, a fuck, like a, I told oh, you are that they? would work. Yeah, 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 and yeah. it almost gives you the background that it was just like, oh, you Well, know. it also, th- that gives you a little bit of insight into something you just said too, Steve, uh, which is you also get the impression that Elliot Gould knows he's being conned by them as oh, well. Yeah. He's a con man. They live in this oh, world yeah, of yeah. honor among thieves. They're all con men. They've all been doing this for a long time. And he fucking knows the game they're playing with him, but uh, he's, he's willing to play it. them to, yeah, exactly, he's to get the to full information yeah. out because he knows... They'll hold on to it. And yeah. when Brad Pitt goes to the racetrack to see Carl Reiner, Reiner mm-hmm. there's Carl Reiner says, stop conning me. I'm yeah. not going to do it. But then, and you mentioned that you really liked how when Brad, Pitt's explains, Brad Pitt explains the con to him, it goes quiet. Yes. And then you only hear the racetrack. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was a good thing to happen because we already know. We have already heard the story like three times. What's going to happen? But I also thought, and I want to say this at the time, but I also thought that it's a good cinematic technique to use too because you know like even Carl Reiner knew he was going to say yes of course you yeah. don't need to know like and he didn't even even know what the con about, was he, uh, and like, Benedict yeah and Russ just hands in the plane ticket mm-hmm. in that scene yeah. he's like you know you're going to do it just do it and like I thought that was a really good cinematic technique to mm-hmm. use too oh absolutely and it gives a background on Benedict in terms of like oh these old Vegas guys hate him yeah, yeah, right. You but know, no like, one knows why. They don't no really one knows actually, why. Yeah. Well, they, uh, Elliot Gould says he ran his business yeah, out, and now he's right. going to blow it up. But it's obviously that he's he's fine. I mean, he's dressed as a Star Wars. He's eating five salads. Yeah, eating five. <laughs> but no, but that's that's a that's a great thing too. Uh, uh, there's there's a line there. Oh, I wish I wrote it down. Because uh, uh, 
because you mentioned why is he eating five yeah. salads? We all had to laugh. And then he asks, like, you know, why, why three casinos? And their response is essentially, why not? Yeah. And that's the answer is like, here's a man who knows, you know, you just need a salad. Yeah. The whole point of eating a salad is because you're having a salad, and so you're eating five salads. <laughs> yeah. You know? And so it's the same mentality that all of these characters have, which is just, I know I'm fine, but what? Let's get a big score. Yeah. You know? yeah, like, yeah. Let's fucking get this. How could we get better? Exactly. Yeah. It's it's wild. We shouldn't root for these people. They're addicts. No, we taught that was what yeah. was so interesting is we got to the end of the movie. We were talking about like uh, like I said so I, I mentioned something about uh, Andy Garcia. Like man, he he re- is that his name? I'm sorry. Did I yeah, Andy Garcia? Andy yeah. Garcia. He I was like oh, a- Andy Milanakis. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's he, Terry uh, Benedict. He plays Terry it so uh, so. I, not subtle is not the right word, but it's a very understated sort of villain performance. Well, we don't get anything evil from him, right? Really, yeah. Nothing more evil than anything Danny Ocean Dan, does. His hair is it's just back. those. Yeah, they, it's <laughs> yeah, almost yeah. essential. That, you but can we tell. get the background from the other guys, and he's just evil. The camera always shoots him from underneath, so he looks like a god. Oh, That's yeah, how you yeah, tell yeah. the villain is Dan. It's, come on, honestly, it's, <laughs> it's all all the movie really posits is that he is a man of uh, control. Right, yeah. and the there are our heroes ostensibly are men that are sort of they 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 get a thrill off of uh, taking that control, taking the control. But right? I think, and he's informed by Goodfellas and yes. by he's he was in Godfather Three, right? So just by the sheer presence of of uh, I'm gonna I want to call him Andy Milanakis, Andy now. Garcia, Andy, Andy Garcia. Garcia. Just in the presence of Andy Garcia alone <laughs> is enough for us to just assume you know basically stereotype him yeah and but then there's enough history that we know we've seen casino we know the yeah. casino owners get into some dirty shit mm-hmm. yeah. so it's there you know like it, it's it, it leans on us making assumptions about him absolutely that that it needs us to make yeah uh but what's interesting is we all kind of came to the conclusion at the end that like uh, when you really think about it though there's the movie gives us no evidence that this guy is like a bad guy, yeah. uh, and it only gives us evidence that at the very least Danny's probably a pretty bad guy, uh, if not some of these other guys that well, he rolls his crew with. The thing they give us to make Andy Garcia bad guy is they ask him like, if you could get your money back, you know, for you know, you trade would you trade tests, your lady you do for it? the money? And it's just, like that's supposed to be the point where it's like, oh well, then he deserved this. But it's right. like I I never didn't believe for a second that he he you know like yeah. I, of course, that's not a new revelation. He's clearly a businessman. That's yeah, what like he that's, loves and thrives on. That's all this movie is about. She's an asset to him. Yeah. That's all. Well, you know? And that is something we talked about a lot through <laughs> the movie, which, I, you know, you could call it a problem with the movie. It's not really a problem. It's just it's, it's, it's of the time. It's This movie is also based on a movie that is of another time mm-hmm. that I think it's very much trying to play into well, some it's of... it's fitting into a template where that's... You know, the, it's trying to fit into some of the sensibilities, I think, exactly, even of exactly. that time that the movie is well, from. On top of that, like, there's a lot of times where there's... There's a you know someone you know okay we're talking about the way Julia Roberts yeah, character treated she's yeah she's essentially there's times where the in a movie in nowadays movie. where a female character is not treated right right but like that is the function of the movie yes. like it's so and I, there's a lot of finger pointing when it's like no you have to consider maybe they're trying to make you feel uncomfortable yeah absolutely and this is one where. To take this away from it is like obviously there's nothing at fault here, right? But it's very interesting. It's really weird. <laughs> it's Super really interesting, interesting. cuz she's essentially the the pot if you will yeah. at the center of the poker game that's being played at large in, in this. Uh these are all gamblers, right? They're all con men and stuff and so they bet on things and essentially every man treats Julia Roberts as an object that is to Explicitly be one. refers to her as an object in gambling terms. Yep. 
as as a prize. As a prize. Uh, at, to at be won. Time, that's slick and cool and fitting it, the thing. I was going to say, it's it, it plays right into what this movie is doing and oh, what yeah. it is. Uh, and I, I know he said that as we were watching it, and I wanted to save my disagreement for the podcast. Oh, please, go ahead. But I yeah. disagree with you. Okay, why? Uh, because here's how I picture Danny's backstory. It is... It is this. He never told Tess about his addiction to conning and gambling because he thought that if he told her, she would leave him. Then he got arrested. Yeah. And then she did leave him. Yeah. And he said, this is the absolute worst thing that could possibly happen to me. The only way I know how to get her back and to prove my worth, to prove that I like am all in, so to speak, to use that to phrase, to use that phrase, is to fuck over who she's dating now. I know that sounds kind of shallow, but... I think we all get it. But, I mean, he's not alone. He's, like you said, he's got a long list of enemies. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, B, kind of set him up for, all right, this is who you're dating. I know I fucked up, but what we had was good, and I want to prove to you that it can be good again. Here's my only problem with that is I don't think the movie ever says any of that. You're, I think you are bringing that to the movie, which the movie has enough information in for me to go like, I could see that reading. But I, I think that is a reading of text that isn't necessarily in the movie. Does that make any sense? Well, the, the scene where, the very last scene where he, we find out that he puts the phone in her pocket. Yes. That scene is him kind of, that scene and matched with the scene before when they're at the dinner table yeah. where he's like, I know everything that you probably, excuse me, uh, like read and heard about me, and like the fact that you know we didn't talk since I was arrested. I know that you've come to your own conclusions about that, and there's nothing I can say mm-hmm. to to say to, to say otherwise, to prove to you otherwise. So I'm just going to show you. And so then the next scene when he puts the phone in her pocket and he's like, "I just came to say goodbye." That's him essentially pushing all his chips in the middle mm-hmm. and saying, "Just kind of." Wait. See, but even the, even now you're still using gambling terms. Yes. And that's my next point is that that's all that he knows. That's all this whole crew knows. Like, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. So he's trying so hard to like push past that. And in the second movie, he does. I do. I do truly believe in my heart, based on what is presented in the movie, that Danny Ocean is actually a good guy. Yeah, and yeah, he yeah, is yeah. going to treat her mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's more of a devil's advocate angle that I'm taking when I just say it's rather funny. But today's standards, when they're just like, I don't know if that's mine. Yeah, yeah, she's mine. I want, you know, and it's just. They call her a prize a bunch of times. They yeah. talk about winning her. Uh, it- well, the only part that I actually have an issue where I go, oh, maybe Danny's not good, is when he says to her face, he was like, no, I'm done lying. And I don't lie anymore. And that's like a lie that's in a lie. that exact yeah. moment. And, but, you know. Well, no, I don't, think he, time, I don't think he ever lied to her in he the was entire lying, movie. I, I think he was lying in that line. Because she asked him if he was if he was you know up to something, yeah, and he says no. And he's like no, and she's like no, I know you're always. I don't up think to he something. says no. I don't, he's like I no, he, I'm done lying. I think he dances around it. I mean, I, I'd be yeah, willing to. No, no, accept she it. says dancing she says, around it, lying. No, she says you're a liar and a thief, and he said I only lied about being a thief, and she says something else. But I, I, because I paid close no, no, attention. No, okay, to this. No, I, I paid I'm, very close attention to the scene. He never lies to her. It isn't dancing movie. around it its own way of lying though? Like she's trying to ask him very specifically, like, are you involved yeah, in this? Yeah, yeah. And he very, if he doesn't say no, which I kind of think he does, he, if he's very specifically dancing around having to say he is, he's still lying to her. He's being dishonest. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's not it, it objection. <laughs> he's deceiving her at the very least. Uh, yeah, but it's not, it's not a deceit out of 
It's a deceit out of the con the won't thing, go. I think the, if he, the movie has enough goodwill in it that it purchases my ability to just be like, no, he is a good guy. Yeah, yeah, also, if he tells he's her flawed, the truth, he's not. He's, he's not the only one at stake right now. If he tells her the truth, that's very true. He fucks over his entire I, team. Totally, I understand all that, but he's still lying to her, which still makes him a little bit of a bad guy. One uh, thing that I thought was very interesting, though, about the whole "Would you trade this all for?" You know, "Would you trade this all for for Tess?" That I love. Uh, you know, the Danny Ocean character. Is that at the very beginning when they discover that she is a chip in play? Ha ha ha! And uh, when they discover that that chip is in play, you know they say, you know, Danny, you're out because if it's the score or her, what are you going to choose? And he doesn't give an answer. And then we find out later in Captain Kirk style, you know, maneuvering, he chooses both. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and but that scene was Russ and Danny conning again, but conning yep. their team. Yep. It's wild. I, nobody's really fully honest in this. No, no, no. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, and that's the thing is it's, we are judging it at, in a devil's advocate perspective. Yeah. I actually don't think it has a shitty portrayal of women in that sense because I don't think anyone's being Well, there's one, there, that one line I will concede, like when, at the very end when Russ says, I brought a couple of your personal effects. Yeah. And then Danny looks in the back and he's like, I'm not sure these are mine. And, and it's, it's just his wife. And it's Julia Roberts. Uh, At the same I, time, wearing, wearing wonder, my husband just beat me sunglasses. I picture they've had a million barbecues, the three yeah. of them together, and they have enough rapport that yeah, she's yeah, yeah. in on the joke. Yeah. I, I buy that. I, uh, but like she I, knows that they, they're, they only know about games mm-hmm, and gambling mm-hmm, and conning mm-hmm, and that mm-hmm, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, 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 I will say just to the, to the de- defense of <laughs> women everywhere, uh, I agree with all of the... the, the the idea that Danny is clearly like I think a good guy that is mm. treating her well and stuff, and this is just it's a movie that came out when it did. It's based in another era. It's all that kind of stuff. Uh, but uh, it they they still she is legitimately just as far as female characters go, given nothing to do other oh, than, yeah. be a poker than be a prize. Yeah, that gets pushed back and forth between these men. I would. Agree she has with that. no agency whatsoever. She doesn't do anything or serve any purpose in the plot line other than she's the push, prize she's the yeah. prize she's oh, no, the, i agree and uh, i think i also i also would submit though if that was changed it wouldn't be as compelling or exciting i would agree you know it's that kind of a thing but i think that's also uh, that's mostly just to be fault. fair though that's uh, oh I'm i agree saying, like, to be fair that's what it is tess is not she's kind of the least character of any she's of them. a function of you the know, plot we line. don't get anything about her besides she likes you know, art. She's kind of the moral center in terms That's, of. That, I would agree with you that. You know, she she at least you know, but but then again, she's also we talk about agency. She's also kind of settling for Terry in terms of just like, you know, he's he's well off, and I like him well enough. But you know? if you want to talk about agency, she in my in my mind, what we see in the movie is she has clearly already made that choice. Yeah, yeah. She's made the choice that Terry is who she would rather be with. Absolutely. And George Clooney is trying to decide for her mm. that he's the better choice, mm. uh, which is a complicated thing. I think. He doesn't, oh, no, but he's trying to he prove says, that he's the better choice. I don't know if decide for, right, but I mean, yeah. he is forceful about it. But yeah, that's he's the thing. A, it's, a thief. She she has clearly made choices where she would she. As much as says, this is over. You're out of my life. Mm-hmm. Like I choose Terry. Uh, but I will say this: I, I think my point is this. I, maybe agency was the wrong word. I'll just say she has poor taste in men. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's very clear oh, that they she. Do, they do very she, uh, clearly yeah. make Terry out to be like this guy is. He's, he's a he's piece clearly, of shit. He yeah. clearly sucks. Like you, you could do much better than this guy. That's totally true. Uh, she should meet a guy like Eric Roberts. Right. Yeah, her <laughs> her brother that she looks too much like. We decided. I can't. I, I can't find her hot. I don't see it. One of these days it'll click. And I know. I'm waiting ruined. for it. I'm waiting for it to click. Yeah. Don't, I mean, really wait it out as long as you can. It's awful. <laughs> <Yeah>. It's horrifying because <laughs> she's a very pretty this. woman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did not mean to do Ooh. that. Whoa. Everybody calm down on the volume. Sorry. sorry. <laughs> I meant, 
I meant to say she's my best friend's wedding. <laughs> that is no, going to blow that, everyone's eardrums out. Hit, not a, not a hill. Not a hill. Not a hill. Aaron Brockovich. <laughs> also Soderbergh. This oh, yeah. thing, she's a wonderful actress and, and all that, but she looks a lot like Eric Roberts. It's like when I see Joan Cusack and then you put her next to John Cusack, I, I start either. to have a weird thing. No. Actually, Joan Cusack is in the end of the tour and she's awesome. The end of what tour? Uh, the, the, I know. The, the Dave. Oh, yeah. The, uh, yeah. <laughs> Foreigner on tour. <laughs> she's Starring Joan Cusack. <laughs> well, they needed someone to stand in for their opening band, which was Joan Jett in the Blackhearts, but Joan Jett was sick. So it's Joan Cusack in the Blackhearts. And and you know what? Really good. You would you would think that a band that named Joan Jett in the Blackhearts, that image. Joan Jett would be essential. But lo and behold, uh, <laughs> Joan Cusack... <laughs> Is a wonderful, you know. Now we're we're talking like a like a Paul Rogers, Freddie Mercury. Where it's like, of course you can't touch the sun, but you can fly close. And goddamn it, Joan Cusack, you fly close. <laughs> that was a tangent that went on for way too long. Did I mention that I really love the Cusack family overall? I, I they're just their work is wonderful. She was a wonderful villain in Adam's Family Values. Uh, he was the the protagonist, sort of an antihero in one of my favorite movies, High Fidelity, and uh, another one, 1408. And it's just... Gross Point Blank. Was I love Gross Point yeah. Blank with Dave Aykroyd. Dave Aykroyd. Dan Aykroyd. <laughs> Dave Aykroyd. <laughs> All right, enough riffing. I, I can't even get Dan Aykroyd's name right. We're so done. Ocean's right. 11. <laughs> so the sound is fixed and we can get back on topic? Uh, yes. Okay, I hope everyone enjoyed that. Can that we start fun. yelling again? Uh, definitely not. Okay, all right. No more yelling. Ocean's 11. Ocean's 11. There was another point I had in my head, but then you going on about... <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Joan Cusack and the, and the Blackhearts and the Blackhearts. Yeah. Um, the uh, they're playing Six Flags this summer. Joan Cusack and the Black. They're they're playing with Alice Cooper and right, the B Fifty okay, Twos. Right. <laughs> it's uh, part of Fright Fest. You know what Joan Cusack's gonna be for Halloween? Joan Jet. <laughs> God. All right, so Ocean's Eleven. I'm sorry. Completely. The, I'll uh, stop. The, uh, the, <laughs> I think the editing in this is like amazing. <laughs> I can hear the frustration in your voice. Uh, no, I just... Uh, He's stacking coins <laughs> right now. You're neurotically stacking coins as I riff about Joan Cusack. I apologize. Let's get back on top. Um, you did mention that the editing, uh, how the... The shots are composed. Yeah. Oh, I mean, the he's clearly obsessed. You said it. He's obsessed with symmetry. Symmetry. Yes. Uh, or Dan said it. I think at some point. Uh, Which in a casino makes it really beautiful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there's like tons of just like framing, especially Danny. Danny gets framed all the time between like doorways and window frames and even bodies of huge men. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, he just he's constantly getting framed between things. Uh, and but uh, and then also like highlighted by weird soft light. We kept pointing that out. There's like shots where he looks like Jesus mm-hmm. because of the soft light that's flowing out. Well, and there was the one head. shot where they had the track lighting above him, but <laughs> yeah. it came out in that angle that it was yeah. kind of glowing behind him. Super I think that's funny. purposeful. I mean, that helps us gloss past subconsciously that he's kind of a he's piece gotta of be shit, our hero. You know? He's, he's got to be our hero. hero. Yeah. Whereas Soderberg Benedict saying, is, is this guy's the good guy. Root mm-hmm. for him. Well, and, and Benedict is shot. He's always looking up above over his brow, and everything's kind of and pointed inwardly towards him, and his hair is slicked back. He's, but, I mean, I think that's a huge part and of it. And the second one, he carries a cane everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> I really got to revisit the second one. The I second one, is, you want to watch it right now? Yes. I'm just kidding. I, w- I, <laughs> I do want to see the sequel to this because, I, like I said, I don't even know if I saw the third one. I feel like I saw pieces of it, but maybe not the whole thing. The third one, I like it. I, the third one, I like it. It's like 
You guys have siblings, right? Yeah. It's like oh, yeah. that one sibling, you know, I, I'll catch up with her on Facebook. You don't really want to. Does Pacino just, like, choose scenery in that like he does in everything else, or is it? <laughs> he chews everything. <laughs> yeah. He chews everything. <laughs> he, he actually bites Bernie Mac <laughs> yeah. and just starts ripping at him. Yeah, it's, it's like wild. a zombie. Because he, he thinks he's Big Mac. Is there a scene in that movie where him and Brad? Is there a scene in that movie where him and Brad Pitt are competitively chewing on things? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, the food. We got to talk about the food. Well, this is a well. Brad Pitt's character, Rust Cole, (laughs) detective, is always eating. Always. I have a theory behind this, and I have I have the answer behind it. Which, by the way, Uh, that's like a Brad Pitt thing, right? He's often just eating. He's often just eating. But I think for this character, it hints at a somewhat darker past Uh because it's an oral fixation. He's a former smoker. Oh, interesting. And that's something that that is of a lot of former smokers. Yeah. They've always got to be chewing on something and, yeah. and doing something. And he is always And like, he just looks good eating. He's he funny t- when he eats when he when he talks when he, he eats. He totally it's, does. Uh but that is funny because he's always eating like finger food things. He's mm-hmm. he's like eating things that are <laughs> he's like eating he's, an entire shrimp cocktail. Yeah, yeah. He's my just, favorite thing. <laughs> he just has an like a like a margarita glass full of cocktail sauce with shrimp around the end <laughs> just dipping it and eating it. Yeah. And and fast and sloppily yeah. and but because it's Brad he Pitt. He starts it's cool. with like thirteen shrimp and there's like two by the end of the scene. Brad Pitt's 11, sure. But the actual answer to why he's always eating, I read somewhere back when I was very obsessed with this film. Um, it was just kind of a character thing that they worked out on set. Like Brad Pitt just kind of thought, he said to Soderbergh, he's like, you know, I feel like my character's just constantly busy. He's got so many irons in the fire. He's just constantly moving around from place to place. He never has time for a meal. He never has time for a meal. That's oh, exactly, so it is that's exactly right. So, yeah. that he, so Soderbergh's like, that's a good idea. Yeah, let's just have you eating like all the time. <laughs> so that's what he does. That's interesting. He, yeah, I, it makes sense. It, it yeah. does make sense. The other thing I wanted to talk about is just his fucking chemistry with Clooney. Mm-hmm. That every like half of this movie, if you think about it, I was thinking about this as we were watching it. I was like, there was at least a week of this shoot that was just Clooney and Pitt in hotel rooms, oh, and yeah. it was just them putting the camera on the two of them, just like kind of improving facial expressions. Mm-hmm. Yep, they hardly even say words to each other half that the time. That one scene in so the bar where, they're, where he, where Clooney's, where Brad Pitt is seriously just head in arms on yep. the bar, and Clooney's like, "So we got ten. You think you need one more? Should we get one more?" All right, we'll get one more. And Brad <laughs> yeah. Pitt doesn't say yeah. anything, and I'm nope. like, "That's my favorite scene in the movie. My, second, also, my first favorite scene is when." Brad Pitt is talking to Matt Damon, and he's giving him all these like tips and tricks on how oh, to. Oh, yeah, yeah. And but one thing he says it, that really stuck with me for like the rest of my life is, "Don't say seven words when four will do." Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. That's it's nice. like it's like Shakespeare's like brevity is the soul of wit kind mm-hmm. of thing. But I feel like that's just delivered so well. And then he's like, "And under no circumstances, don't ever." Hey, Russ. Yeah. Hang on. <laughs> he just walks away. <laughs> That's so great. Yeah. And Matt Damon is great. also, uh, you know, uh, such a great choice for this because he too has like a very expressive face. He's good at playing mm. the sort of like, oh, wait, what? Like the yeah, guy yeah, that's yeah. like, oh, what do you mean? No, oh, okay, I need more info. Mm. And if you look at it as a series, like you just see him get more and more confident. Right. Well, he becomes time. like the, the he's lead kind of the, guy yeah, in the, in of the overall either the second series, or third right? I think the, the third one, one, he's got the prosthetic nose. That's great. Yeah. And, and he's he, hitting on Alan Barkin. And even then, he's still nervous. Like he's asking George Clooney for advice. Like, do you think the nose plays? Yeah. And George Clooney's oh, the like, nose plays. The nose plays. Yeah. My favorite part in Ocean's 13, and it's a scene with Brad Pitt and George Clooney together. Brad Pitt enters the room, and George Clooney's watching Oprah. <laughs> and I think it's one where they just like gifted a house to a family. And he's like kind of teary eyed. And Brad Pitt sees him, and he's like, Are you crying right now? He's like, What? No, no, no. And he's like, Are you crying watching Oprah? He's like, No, no you're talking about what's it about? He's like, Well, they just you know, gave these people a house. They just gave it to him? Yeah. And Brad Pitt's kind of teary eyed. He's like, <laughs> 
That's really nice. And then they just kind of like both like, okay, back to business. Yeah. <laughs> they, they have a really good human moment of, of, te- of tears together. I don't know why this reminds me of, of what I just thought about, but you know what I absolutely hated, hated, hated in the second one? Catherine Zeta-Jones. I don't remember her. I just remember her being in it. She was like Brad Pitt's girlfriend who worked for Interpol. And then you find out that she she does exactly what Julie Roberts does in the first one. She's like, I guess Brad Pitt's not that bad. I'm going to leave my career at Interpol to, <laughs> to join him and his gang of thieves. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, spoiler alert. So she's... Oh, that's fine. <laughs> is, so she gets uh, listed in the cast as Brad Pitt's personal effects? Yes. <laughs> she's actually just... She's, she doesn't have a character name. She's just 12. <laughs> Uh, I uh, I the the other thing we should talk about is the soundtrack to this is is great because it's like yeah the bass the it, one person playing bass yeah it just like it's a, it it harkens back to the era the original one is from but still feels modern you yeah. know what I mean like I, I, have any of us seen the original because I have not I have uh, not I actually have okay uh, and the original is uh, good and entertaining it's you know it's the what do they call I feel it? like the it's nothing pack, like this right? I heard it's, it's, it's not, not like a heist racist. movie uh, well it it is a heist movie it's it's you know, it is the gathering of the team to mm. form a heist, but a heist was a very different thing in in 1950 mm. than it, than it is in uh, the Sting did it right 2001. Yeah, the the Sting is a fucking great heist. So movie. if it was the 50s, did they just advise Sammy Davis Jr. stay home? Uh, no, yeah, like, just don't there. don't get involved. These but cops heard, aren't going to be kind. I heard the original is pretty racist. I was just going to yeah. say it's yeah that uh, it, that is essentially what they did because I don't even think Sammy Davis Jr. is in the movie <laughs> because uh, they were like, uh. yeah, there's no room for a black person in this. Uh, it, they uh, weren't unionized yet. Yeah, <laughs> he might have been. I can't actors, remember. actors. He only had one people. eye. I'm just saying. Yeah, I don't want a one-eyed man helping me rob a casino. That's a whole field of vision that he's not going to have. And frankly, you know, we don't. We, we have a grease man, but we don't want to lean on him. That's all. <laughs> I, I literally I I didn't even know what say. that meant. <laughs> no, no, it's all good. Please go for it. Um. I just didn't. Uh, what does Grease Man mean? I was, that's why I didn't know what you meant. I was like, oh, I no, don't the even Grease know what that Man means. is just like because I called. When, I didn't want to say anything. When the machine stops working, we throw a little grease on it. Oh, it's like oh, the okay, wild card. You okay, know? okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I that's why I'm say saying if Sammy Davis Jr. he has one eye, yeah. you know, it might we might need to call in the Grease Man. Like <laughs> okay. We have him, but we don't want to lean on him. Oh, right, right. You know, he's available, but mm-hmm. you don't you don't you don't want to plan for the Grease Man. Charlie, you want to use him to glue together the plan when it falls apart or to lube the machine. Would you say the Grease Men were Scott Kahn and uh, and uh, Affleck's brother? Casey well, they Affleck? they explicitly refer to. Uh, I'm just going to call him the 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 acrobat. We'll call him that. Oh, and that yeah, way it's, good, it's good. Early, not two minutes ago, I called him the Chinese guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just now. Yeah, well, yeah. but the thing is, I almost was like, "What is it, Chang?" But, but then he I is that's Chinese. completely off. He is. <laughs> it's not racist. They, they, yeah, that's true. The Chinaman is a uh, no. Um, the, the acrobat. He. Um, no, he's he's the grease man. They refer to him, but I would argue that Scott in Conn later and, entries, oh. Scott Conn and, and Casey Affleck, like, they like become <laughs> grease men. Grease man, yeah. But they're part of the plan in this. Like they do the balloons and stuff. Uh, but then again, I guess they all are. Well, yeah, totally. I they're just all feel capable like, of greasing. Yeah, I feel seems. like they're the ones that are constantly like, "Well, we're gonna need somebody to just go in and improvise a fucking thing to distract mm. a bunch of people." In this movie, they're yeah, they're like, if you need two people to stand behind to behind you in uniforms to make you look more oh, legitimate, yeah, yeah. yeah, it's these guys. It's them. Or start arguing with somebody so that no one's paying yeah. attention to what yeah. else is happening. Oh my god, the balloon scene yeah. was so good. Oh, I like the van scene better when they're waiting for yeah. them to get the uh, 
the ooze out of the uh, the, <laughs> the ooze factory. Yeah. The the giant bomb that kills electricity. The, mount, the bomb that, of Mountain Dew. Because we hear them fighting. Yeah. We never see it, and you we hear it escalate from reaction. a verbal a verbal fight, and then they actually begin yeah. hitting each other, and it's just left at that. <laughs> but you, the, the great thing is, you don't even see them doing it. You only see Matt Damon reacting yeah, to it. Yeah. And that is just such a subtle genius move to do, and he does that a lot in this movie. He does it a lot in this movie. I, was, yeah. I noticed it right away in the beginning. Uh, most of the beginning of this movie is George Clooney talking to people that we never see. First, he's talking to the people interviewing him at the prison. We never see them. Mm. We ju- it just holds on uh, Clooney's face. Then immediately, he's in a casino and he's talking to like the person that's dealing the cards, and we never see that person until Bernie Mac comes up to replace that person. And then that's the first time it goes over Clooney's shoulder to talk to another character mm-hmm. is when Bernie Mac gets introduced. But we see like two or three conversations with Clooney where the camera never even turns to who he's having a conversation with. And I think that that's economical in the way that if you start throwing faces at me and, I, and then you're going to throw 11 in there that right. I have to pick out and remember. Now, granted, they're celebrities, but right. that's a good way to keep the focus Absolutely. on them, you know, for the reveal of yeah. Bernie Mac. Yeah. Uh, well, it's it's the uh, why use seven words when you only need four. Absolutely. It's yeah. like... Why show that lady's face when we're never going to see her again? doesn't matter. We're, mm. We just need information and to know that that's Danny Ocean. Let's do it. Mm. And they do the same, like the opening, not the opening scene, but one of the opening scenes in the second one is, and this goes back to my, this further proves my theory of like, Danny only did this one thing to get Tess back, is that in the beginning of the second one, he goes into a bank to, and I'm putting air quotes on this, apply for a loan. Right, but he's actually sizing up the bank because he, you know, he still has that addiction. Mm-hmm. So he's actually applying for a loan. You never see anybody else in the bank except for him mm-hmm. while he's talking to this. And they're like, "So what do you do?" And he does that thing that he does in the beginning of this movie, where they ask him, "What are you going to do when you get out?" And they just, he just kind of gives that smug look at the camera, and then they cut to the the opening scene. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> it it just it's such a good method of saying you only need to care about this. This is really what's going on. Like. Fuck everything else. This is this guy's story. Let's just get into it. Which is exactly what you just said. <laughs> and I'm sorry. Well, you know, even what I said before about about how we meet these characters already in stride. Right. You know, yeah. that way we do in a just a bigger way, if even though he's kind of the wraparound character, the titular character, he we catch him just he's fresh out of jail. We don't we don't know what got him there really. We we know, but we don't oh, know. Three fifty seven. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um well, did you guys catch the? Uh, there was a line I caught in this that I that I realized was like giving us a lot of story in one line of dialogue. Uh, at some point, uh, I think he, I think it is Danny Ocean talking to Tess. I think it's the first time they're talking to each other in the hotel, uh, and I think that she said he calls her his wife, and she says like ex-wife. This might be the wrong scene, but basically somebody says like. Uh, or she says, like, I gave you the... You got the papers, didn't you? And he goes, yeah, the day I got out. He, like, he reveal He says there, he yeah. reveals that that first scene we saw, yeah. that the day he's getting out of prison is the day he receives papers that say, I'm divorcing you. Mm-hmm. Which, to me, gave a whole new context to the plot of this movie, which almost makes me think, maybe he was going to come out of prison a recovered, different man. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. the day he's getting released, he gets these papers that are like, I'm divorcing you. And he's like, well, fuck it. I got to get oh, her yeah, back, yeah. and I'm going to do it through a heist. Back to the bottle. Back to it. Let's do it. You know, mm-hmm. I don't know for sure. They don't get too explicit about that, well, but there's a, I thought that was line interesting. Later, where uh, and he's kind of being catty to Benedict, but yeah. I think there's truth behind it. When Benedict says, "You know, oh, so you just got out of jail? How does it feel to get out?" and his answer is about the same. About the same. Yeah. And yep. it's like you know, he's 
he's stuck in his ways. Yeah. You know, like he and he almost accepts he's it. He's trapped in a cage no matter where he is. But what I like about it is that he accepts it and says, All right, let's use this <laughs> yeah, and get yeah. rich and get my wife back and yep. make a couple more movies. Yep. I don't know how this would apply maybe you guys figured out I don't know how this would apply to that, but while he's talking to the parole officers, yeah. they're like, So you've been incarcerated but you and you've been like um a person of interest and all these other things. Is this the only the is this the only time you got caught or have you done other things? And he's like, "Well, you know, I was just in a my wife left me. I was in a self destructive cycle." Yeah. And they're like, "What do you think you're gonna do it again?" He's like, "Well, she already left me once. I don't think she's gonna do it again just for kicks." Yeah. So yeah. I don't know, like, if uh, that holds any weight. Yeah. Towards that point, but I think I feel like it does. I just don't know how. Well, yeah. I mean, it could be two things. Maybe she did leave him in the past, came back to him, and then this was the big fuck up. Yeah. Or maybe it was just he was just conning. Yeah. Just trying to play a character and then finds out later, like, shit, she did leave me. I feel that's like that, now I'm that's, fucked up. Yeah, that's, you know? that's the one, I'm yeah. curious about that because it was it was weird to me when he laid that line down that he got the papers the day he got out. Because I was mm-hmm. like, oh, that actually kind of changes the story a little bit. I don't mm. exactly know how, but I think it does. That, that implies a just a bigger sort of emotional moment for him the day he gets out of prison. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Wearing a tuxedo. Yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, I love that he goes in and out of prison in tuxedos. That's uh, good on him. You know what I also noticed about that scene with him talking to Benedict uh, while Tess is there? Is he keeps, like... Oh, he's oh, yeah, he's with his wedding with ring. His wedding At first, he's, like, grasping his wedding it. ring really tight. No, he's, like, he's, he's, he's like, yeah. like rolling it around his finger. He's, like, grasping it. like He's, like, wringing his hand almost. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like that was, like, such a... That and the how Benedict looks at him once and not like never again are two very, very subtle, but very powerful. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Like, like testaments to their characters. Totally. I, I actually, so I'm curious, what do you guys think? I, I as I was watching it and he was doing the thing with it, with the, the ring. I, uh, this was my read of that. That's not Danny Ocean. Danny Ocean doesn't get nervous and start twisting his. No, everything he does is methodical. Yeah, he was doing that very intentionally in front of Tess before Benedict even got there to sort of remind Tess, like, Mm. "I'm yours, you're mine." Like we, right? Remember the ring? Like we're married. And then did it way hard as soon as Benedict entered the scene, sort of almost as a power play to be like, "Look, I got the fucking ring. Like this is my ring. It's about her. This is still going. She's my wife. Mm -hmm. You know." No matter what's uh, happening here, this is still happening. Yeah, I got the impression that was a big power play. I mean, it, it certainly could have been, and, and I, it certainly plays that way because it's methodical. I like to think of it as a moment of weakness. Okay. Because that's also the point where Matt Damon was watching him. Yes, totally. And when they said, no, there's something up here. Yep. And that's when they started to doubt him. And I it very, I mean, I, it, it might not be this, it, it might, but uh, it almost looked like it was like he was wearing it because he, he hasn't taken it off yet. Right. He hasn't, it hasn't come off. When and he then, first got it back in prison, he was kind of like, I think he was debating whether or not to put it back yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. And, and I he think did. he put it back on to kind of show her, like, yeah. hey, I still have this mm-hmm. on. And then I just think it was, it just became a nervous tick when he saw Terry and was like, this is real. He does. I don't want him to see me with this ring, but he he panicked. Yeah. Quick question, I like though. that aspect. Quick. But it also could be the power play, because that... that yeah, yeah, as I, it's written could be, you know. I don't know because I, I, t- I totally buy that reading of it. I just, I, the one thing, and I was curious about this actually because we're talking about how it turns out like they're always playing cons on each other, right? So the idea of Linus following him around because Russ doesn't trust him anymore mm. because Tess has been entered into the situation. I feel like that's all part of is it. null and void actually because <clears throat> yeah. I don't think that's actually true. I think that's part of the larger con. What do you mean? I think that Russ 
knows that Tess is part of this the whole time. And Linus is a pawn. And, oh, yeah. and Linus is actually a pawn. He probably that just whole wanted time. to out it to everybody. Right. You know, to let them know that. Well, no, I, I think. Because Russ just can't say, hey, guys, this is what Danny's doing. You need that third party to I, say. I think that they. I think that that whole thing is arranged so that they can get in an argument and kick Danny out. I think that Russ knows he's going to kick Danny out, and Danny knows Russ is going to kick him out. Mm. And that that whole printed piece of paper that you were confused about, I think part of the reason is because it is kind of a bullshit thing that they're using to con the rest of the group so that they can no, kick Danny out. that was Danny a real out. thing. Because, you think that's real? Yeah, the printed piece of paper was. Right. Benedict actually red flagged him because they he, he needed to red flag him so that Danny would get captured so that he right, could... Right, yeah. but it's all part of the plan. It's, it's all, all part of That's the plan. what I'm saying. It's all still but part of the plan. But only Russ and Danny were Only Russ and Danny know that. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But, that's kind of so, interesting. Yeah, right. So then, yeah, because he needed to have be in the, the cell with the guy beating him. Exactly. That's exactly. interesting. So, but then, so then when we come back to this idea of him... So Danny Ocean's a psychic. <laughs> well, no, he's a psycho. He's a, he's, yeah. a, he's a psychopath. Well, they're not. Yeah, they're they're not mutually yeah. exclusive. <laughs> right. That's, that can be a thing. <laughs> uh, but if we come back to him twisting the the ring around and stuff, and the idea being like, oh, this might be the first sign of him cracking, and that's why Linus is following mm. him. Linus is only following him because that's a lie they're telling Linus to mm. keep Linus at play, where Linus thinks Danny could be. You know what I mean? Mm. That they could kick him out, and nobody else has to know. Mm. So I don't. I don't. I still don't necessarily disagree with you. I still mm. think it is. And if you're right, it is super interesting to have Danny have that moment of weakness mm. right in the middle of all of this. Yeah, I, I, mean, not, I did not think about she that. She is before. his one weakness. Because, Absolutely, but not even so much. It, it, to, to go back to what we were saying before, it's because that's the one time he lost. Yes, whatever he did when he lost hers, what got him in jail, and yep. I, that was it. You know, he's out of jail now. The only thing that he lost was his his lady. Yep, you know. And, he, and he expressly says that to Russ mm. at some point, I think, right? That yep. she's like, the only time the only time I lost was her. Mm. Uh, and we said we were going to do this until we can't not win is, though, anymore or whatever he said to back. Him. It could be all of these things. It could be none of those things, right, what yeah. the ring is. you know. We can keep pulling the lens back and saying, oh, this was all part of the plan. And it probably was. Or we can just leave it as in that scene, you know, what was going on. And in that scene, I like to think of it as a moment of weakness. As part of the bigger picture, I like to think of it as, totally. as part of the plan. I know? think that's yeah. actually it's what wild. Soderbergh brought to this that makes it so interesting and actually like one of those like worthwhile remakes too is this idea that like once you get to the end and the con that's being played on you as the audience is revealed, you actually do have this very suddenly what seemed like a very fluffy fun movie mm. becomes this really meaty story of like well okay then. What is actually part of the con? What's not part of the con? Who's conning who at what moments? You don't have to break it apart that way. What's but it the point? It invites yeah. you to, I think, a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, it does kind of invite you to once it's revealed that, like, you're actually watching a tape of a tape of a tape. And a, you know what I mean? Yeah. It does invite you a little bit to start pulling on the strings and going, like, okay, well, where, who's doing what and who's at play when? It's it's fascinating, well, actually. That's the fun of it. I mean, it's that's a little the fun puzzle of any, box. any heist movie is yeah. that once the reveal happens, like, that's... um. A movie that I only kind of liked, uh, uh, Trance. Did you ever see Trance? No, uh, Danny Boyle's movie. Danny right? Boyle's movie. It's a cool movie, and yeah. it's really uh, you know fun to watch and all that stuff. But it's one of those where they pull the rug McAvoy? out. James McAvoy, yeah. uh, Rosario Dawson, Vincent Castle. It's wild. Yeah. But when they pull the rug out from under you, instead of you just being like, "Oh shit, that's what happened," and then piece it together, the, the house of cards just kind of collapses. Right. Yeah. And it's it's a worthwhile movie to watch because it's just real cool, stylish, slick, mm-hmm. a lot of fun. But it was one of those where when they pulled the rug out, I was waiting for that moment as primed by Ocean's Eleven to be like, oh, okay, I got this. Yeah. Now that makes sense. Now it makes this. And it was just more of a, oh, that, okay. And the Ocean's Eleven across the whole series definitely held on to that 
That's why we love that. We love magic shows. Totally. You know, it's it's a big magic why, trick they're playing. Remember on us. what was that fucking Will Smith movie that we saw? Focus. Focus God damn it. Focus. Yep. When when they uh, anytime that they pulled the rug out from under you, and then they'd be like, "No, this is what we did." But they never gave you the pieces of what they did for the heist. No. Ocean's Eleven. We see the pieces. Yep. We meet the pieces. We talk to the pieces. We watch them function. And then when we turn the machine on, we go, "Oh, it works differently." Mm-hmm. Focus was they show you the machine functioning, then they tell you how we how they did it, and then you go, that thing doesn't even look like the machine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's weird. I you also, know another Will Smith movie did that? What was that one where he gave all his fucking body parts away? Oh, Seven Pounds? Yeah, I was like, I never saw that. The entire movie, I was like, what's going to happen? What's going to yeah. happen? And I'm like, that's what's going to fucking happen? That's yeah. so dumb. And then Woody Allen's like, I can see not Woody Allen, Woody Harrelson. <laughs> wow, we've been fucking up all night tonight. I would actually go ahead and say seven pounds is not even worth watching. To it's be not even curious. worth two pounds. Yeah, yeah, it's just yeah. boring and stupid. Is Rosario Dawson in that one too? Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Yeah, never saw that. Sounds um, like I'm for the best. But yeah, Focus. Like there was a scene in Focus where we find out after he wins this crazy bet that they actually all day had been bombarding a guy with. Uh, uh, what's the word? Subtle uh, subconscious oh. cues. What are they <laughs> yeah. called? Uh, 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 subliminal messages. Subliminal messages oh. in order to get him to choose the number that they needed him to choose to win the bet. And it, and when they revealed I that, just it was just my like, eyes. that yeah. is, that's, because there was no point where you'd be like, oh, I see how it all came right. together. They just showed you his day and all of the times he saw 53. Yep. And so you weren't like, in the movie theater yelling, oh, man, I could really go for 53 beers right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, the, the one thing that I do remember, the guy, it was, um, oh, what's the guy's name? He's the doctor from Jurassic Park. Oh, B.D. Uh, Wong. B.D. Wong. Yeah. B.D. Wong is the guy he was gambling against. And during that song, uh, during that scene, the I was song... I say they're all uh, doctors in Jurassic Park. Uh, what's the <laughs> Sympathy for the Devil by uh, Rolling Stones? Oh, yeah. With the woo, woo, woo. Yeah. Turns out woo, woo is Chinese for 55 which is why he chose <laughs> oh amongst God. a million other yeah. things that Will Smith planned while working for you he know planned the soundtrack the to the movie we were watching it was yeah. retarded yeah it was ridiculous and it was... that's why that fails and something like Ocean's Eleven succeeds is right. because we see the pieces you know, it's if well, and the House of Cards doesn't collapse once you pull that final piece, exactly. right? And uh, if you could say it collapses at all, it collapses to reveal just the structure underneath that was holding mm-hmm. it up, which is good. You want that, you know? Uh, and we, and I think we even caught together. There were certain lines or whatever where we were like, "Oh, they've been telling us this shit the entire oh, they, time." When they yeah. Order the replica safe. They're building, and the someone's like, "Oh, for, goes, practice? Oh, for practice." And he goes, yeah. "Something like that." Something like that. Yep. Yeah. Uh, yep. And that's. Well, that's uh, actually, I wanted to talk about that, too. The structure of this movie is actually kind of, I think, like a brilliant thing that they did with a heist movie. And and maybe I'm wrong. This might not be the first time this was done. But, uh, you know, I feel like most heist movies take the plot line of, okay, uh, assemble the team, explain the heist to the audience, now watch the heist and something goes wrong to change the rules. So now it's more about like how do we how do we fix how the do heist, we fix yeah. this and and still finish the heist. And this movie essentially goes like assemble the team, start explaining the heist, and about halfway through we are actually now doing the heist. Mm-hmm, yeah. And then reveal halfway through that that we actually were always doing the heist because way back earlier in the movie we had started this when we started quote-unquote practicing Mm -hmm. you know it's like it actually takes the structure of heist movies and sort of almost tarantino's it you know Mm -hmm. like pulls it apart and you and you the movie sort of takes you through that journey just differently It, it it is different than the way most heist movies sort of set their cards up and knock them over i wanted to bring up that point but you definitely uh spoke to it a lot 
more specifically than <laughs> I could have because a, I was trying to think about like how I hate in every heist movie. That's exactly what happens. Yeah. You have, here's what we got to do. Oh, shit, everything's falling apart. How do we adapt? We adapted. Oh, we got out of that with the skin of our teeth. Yep. And they do that in uh, Ocean's 12. Yes. But then they're like, actually, it was part of the plan all the time. Well, yeah, yeah, Wink. Yeah. <laughs> that's we all meant to be arrested uh, by Interpol. That's the genius move of this, yeah. too, is you, as an audience member, at a certain point, when you hear the gunfire go off and stuff over the speaker, you're like, oh, it's a heist movie. That's what's happening. It's all falling mm-hmm. apart. Nope, that's just part of the plan. Just part of it. We know heists. We're so good at heists. We know them enough to know something's going to go wrong. So we're going to well, make everybody think something's going it's wrong. It's structured, as part of and the they heist. do that a lot better in the second one because they're like, "Yeah, you guys were right the entire time." Yeah. Oh wait, no, you weren't. Right? <laughs> You're stupid. Yeah. <laughs> this movie functions almost exactly like a magic trick. Yeah. Because they show you the empty hat. Yep. And then you pull the rabbit out of it. Yep. And. You know, something like Focus just pulls a rabbit out of a hat, and you're like, well, I didn't see if it was empty. Yeah. And they're like, trust <laughs> us, it was empty. Yeah. And then most heist movies, they reach in, and it's like, oh, shit, there's no rabbit, and then they start doing there's a card bomb. No. You know? yeah. <laughs> I feel <laughs> like Focus was like, they pull the rabbit out of the hat, and then you're like, wait, you didn't show me the hat, and they just pull out an entirely different hat, and they're yeah. like, no, see, it's empty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that's why this works so well, is that, you know, we... They show us, you know, they show you the head. Yeah. They pull the rabbit out of the head, yep. and then we try and figure it out. We know that they it's, that they did it. If you, you know? think about it, his unique spin on the heist movie was it's a heist movie where the heist goes completely accordingly to plan. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> there's, t- there's two yep. things that go wrong. One, Danny gets captured, which you could kind of see through if you're a yeah, smart yeah. person. Yeah. And second... Um, the acrobat hurts his hand. Right, mm-hmm. right. That's those are the only two things that go wrong. Yep. The entire oh, and movie. the thing is, him him hurting his hand. The only thing that that affected was his uh, getting trapped in the door. Yeah. Then. He was trapped, but it was okay because they were out of batteries. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh like, yeah, so, those sorry. two mistakes. Three things go wrong. Each other out, yeah, as we yeah. all know. They go out. Of, they run out of batteries. Yeah. That's so wild. Uh, but that I mean, think about that. That's kind of a fascinating thing. Like, yeah. what what if that was his pitch too? If that was just like how he sold it to a studio? Like, listen, oh, yeah. here's what we're gonna do. Remaking Ocean's Eleven, it's going to star everybody. We're getting all of Hollywood. And my pitch is, it's a heist movie where nothing goes wrong. <laughs> Everything is exactly goes according to plan. The studio's like, oh. <laughs> I think that actually how he pitched it was, um, he walks into a room and says, hey, did you guys see Traffic? I made that movie two years ago. Um, all right, I want George Clooney, Brad Pitt, <laughs> Julia Roberts, Don Cheat, and the list goes on and on. Y- yeah. You know what? Actually, I'll just email so you. You sent me a bunch of money. Yeah, exactly. And they were like, we should just go pitch a movie and yeah. see what happens. And then they do or it. Or George Clooney's having the party with the entire cast. <laughs> yeah. just ha- like, they're all yeah. friends. And Soderbergh shows up. He's like, I you guys want to make a movie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're like, yeah, we're remaking Ocean's Eleven. All right, uh, Wahlberg, you go home. Yeah. <laughs> um, we don't need you. And uh, Thomas Jane, you you can watch. <laughs> M. Night, what are you doing here? Get the hell out of here. Um, but I wasn't invited. <laughs> yeah, okay, that's a twist. Get out. <laughs> um, and so I do want to address that. I, I, I hate when people call this movie a remake because it's just not. It's yeah. not a remake this at all. This is kind of like the of the dawn of like our reboot you know, obsession yeah. in a way. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's not even a reboot because that Ocean's Eleven wasn't really some cultural yeah. document. No. I heard of it because this was coming out. Yeah. You know? It's it's one of the, it's actually one of those sort of perfect movies to remake because it's like one of those movies that's like, yeah, it's it's an okay movie of it that from its time. Where but it's really like, the only things that are, that they have in common are the title and something gets stolen. Yeah. That's it. And, and there's 11 could, people. Yeah. It's a, it's a heist movie that requires 11 people. Yeah. 
You could remake that Danny Ocean assembles the Sting in the same, but the Sting was fucking brilliant. I love the Sting. Yeah. The Sting is like my second favorite movie. Nice, but uh, but that's what I mean. That's why it's actually a you know I guess a good movie to quote unquote remake because one the most pointless remakes I generally are ones where you literally just remake a movie. It's mm -hmm. like well what are you doing then? So they're not uh, going to remake the Tooth Fairy? Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> uh, but I, you know it's like it's almost perfect to remake because it's like oh it's just a decent concept that oh, we yeah. made a fine movie. But we could just take the basic bones of that and see if we can make a great movie. Mm -hmm. you know? That's what I think remakes and reboots should be. They shouldn't be as true to the source oh, material yeah. as, you know, just to please the audiences. Like, if you have a cool idea that you can apply to something that's already been done, that's what art well, has like, been like for the, the last fucking, fly, fucking 150 years. Where you just years. take the concept of a movie that's kind of dated and not really that good, right. and then you rework it to be something cool. Like, just because a movie, you know, like... Most remakes now is just kind of a, a, a nostalgia fest, which is fine in its function. But it's like, why not remake the movies that had good concepts that didn't work? Yeah. Let's see if we can make them work. And that's that's cool. This is a reworking of a concept that I don't know whether it did or didn't work. I'm sure it worked well enough. Yeah, it's a, it's a fine it's, movie. You couldn't put Ocean's Eleven, the original, in the theaters now and be like, come out and see it. Right. People are like, I don't know. Yeah. It's Brad Pitt in this. <laughs> and so like but you know it's that that could be the twist that yeah, could be exactly. the heist you came out to see Brad Pitt and George Clooney gotcha Frank Sinatra oh that would be the best and not a Sammy movie Davis that just Jr. pulls the rug out from under you yeah like just old episodes of Lawrence Welk <laughs> <laughs> wow anybody Soderberg got any went, went bold with this <laughs> anybody got any final thoughts on Ocean's Eleven anything we didn't notes. touch on uh, Steve this is your you know your your go to classic and I know and I, I thank you guys again for letting me uh, live anything, my dream about being didn't... recorded about talking about one of my <laughs> favorite films anything we didn't rumble or ramble through um, eh, no I mean, there's my last point would be and I just didn't shove this in when we were talking about like the cinematography and everything was they did a lot and I mentioned this while we were watching it they did a lot of like what I'll call reflection shots where they reflected the theme of a magic trick or the overall theme of the movie where you're looking at something and then something's happening in the background. And it's, it's a really good comedic uh, timing uh, cinema thing to use because like you had everyone's opening the back door from Matt Damon and you see him roll over the front windshield. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you see John Cheeto watching the building collapse on TV while it's happening behind him in the plate glass windows. Nerdy McNerd still walking down that one hallway after the map comes off his hand and then turning around oh, and going yeah, back well, down the other hallway. Or even in the very first scene when uh, you know Danny is looking for Rust and Rust is at the bar kind of getting some drinks because he can't handle the actors that are they're being stupid or whatever. And you see Danny just walk behind him to go mm -hmm. to the actor's poker room. Mm -hmm. Uh, I just think like little things when like the, that. Um, when the casino collapses and everybody in the crowd turns around to look, and there's just a couple heads, and it's like Danny, uh, uh, yes. Rust, all of that, you know, just yeah. and they're all ahead. looking right forward at yeah. at uh, Andy at, Garcia, yeah, Andy Benedict Garcia, Andy Benedict Garcia. I wanted to bring this up. I was listening to a podcast, uh, Script Notes podcast earlier yeah. this week, an awesome show, highly recommend. John August, is that John you, August, right? and Craig Mazin. Yeah. They're they just talk about screenplay stuff. And they did a thing where they had um, they they had screenplays that you know you could look at online, and they were focusing not on the dialogue but on just the action. Mm. And one of the screenplays that they chose was Ocean's Eleven. So they oh, took okay. a couple pages out of it that was yeah. just action. And the one thing that they noticed was there was no interior casino night, exterior this thing that it just went from scene to scene fluidly yeah. because the script was suggesting. 
the format of the movie. Right. The and so, granted, Soderbergh, of course, brought his you know take to it, but a lot of the movie was written like it's in this order. It has to flow. Yeah. And it has to be breathless. You know, and that's well, really cool. That's funny because we said, what did we say earlier? This movie is almost one long montage, mm-hmm. and that lends to that. Like, if you were reading a script, like think about that. If the script for this movie was that descriptive of like interior this, exterior that, interior this, most of the pages would be filled with like, oh, then it's got to cut to here and smash to mm-hmm. this, and you know what I mean. There's like so and, you much. know shooting script and non shooting. This was not a shooting script, right. but it was still aware. Of how this should flow, yep. you know, like it wasn't just a story, it wasn't just dialogue. There is, you know, there's an energy to it that, you know, reading the script, if you didn't feel that energy, you you wouldn't want to buy this movie, right? And so for that to be in there is interesting. And and the the scene that they were talking about was when uh, Benedict is on the phone with Brad Pitt, mm-hmm. and Tess is walking around Trenton. So they're cutting back and forth from the van out front. To, and so it would just say, Rusty's phone, blah, 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 mm-hmm, blah, blah, mm-hmm. blah. Tess in hotel, blah, blah, and just move it like that so that it's just, That's boom. Great. There's no reset. There's no breath yeah. to take because we don't want that. You're you not know? supposed to. They're not supposed to feel like separate scenes. Mm-hmm. This, yeah, it's, this it's is one all scene. one large it's, scene. It's a machine. It's yeah. all working together as one. Yeah. That's fucking phenomenal. That's so cool. That's uh, And that's like, what an awesome just like uh, writing tip. You know oh, what yeah. I mean? Just like, fuck format. Like, what what... What well, they champion on script notes a lot, the idea of, like, you can sit there and go, this is what the rules say. Right. This is that. But make it readable. Yes. You know, that's... Uh, I read uh, Stephen King's On Writing. Mm-hmm. One of the best things he had about that, he was talking about, you know, grammar and stuff. And he was like, there's certain grammar rules that you should follow, but make it readable. Mm-hmm. If it flows, it doesn't matter if you're following the specific rules of the comma. Use it so that it's readable. And for this script to be so readable, it makes it so filmable. Mm-hmm. You know, that's and the way it functions like that. You know? Yeah, totally. Uh, that's actually uh, interesting too, just because uh, you know Soderbergh is such a distinctive film. Even though all of his movies are different, he's such a distinctive filmmaker. For him to come to a script that almost has a format to it, right, mm-hmm. uh, and to be able to bring his sense of style to that format, but still keep what. Uh, the reason that script was so alive and people like that script so much is is because of that flow to it. Absolutely. You know, and he keeps well, that. Well, a bad it's... director would make it choppy. Right, yeah. You know, and he makes it flow. He yeah. makes it play like a machine. Yeah, he achieves what that script was setting out to do in the way Absolutely. it was written, which is cool. Yeah, and a lot that's, of... that's the thing is it's not solely on the page. Right. You know, there right. is a marriage there happening. Yeah, And I think that's a lot of, that makes a lot of successful films is that there's communication between the writer and the director mm-hmm. because the director will say, listen, I think, I, I think that this scene should be cut out because of this, this, or this, or I think that we should add in a little bit more here. And the writer will, you know, either concede on that or vice versa mm. and, or, or right around it or right around yeah. it or something like that. Like there's just, it's like any business relationship, any team effort, you know, you have to communicate and you can always tell good movie, bad movie by how much they, how much the entire team communicated. And I think Ocean Eleven is a, like an enormous example oh, yeah. of communication on all fronts. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. I, th- I think each and every one of those actors could be said to quote unquote, get it. Yeah. You know, they get what's going on. The movie has no illusions about what it's trying to be. You know, it's, and it, this, the word that I would use to describe this movie is it's a romp. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, it's a romp, but I mean, it's, it's everybody's on the same page as to what is supposed to come out of this. And that is so rarely, and that's so rarely, but oftentimes 
That's just a very easy thing to fuck up because communication is difficult. You yeah. know, communication Especially with like breakdown. a big ensemble cast Absolutely. like this. Like you have so many egos in the room and yet everyone was willing to like put everything aside. Like look at movies like fucking shitty New Year's Eve mm-hmm. or all those other ensemble. Like Love Actually was the only other one where there was like more than five A-listers that I actually enjoyed that movie. Mm. But like any other movie where you have so many, so much talent in one room. Oh, like Best in so, Show. Yeah, it's so, well, that, that was different. Well, I'm just saying, like, in terms of getting all those people together and having them get it. Yeah. You know, there's there's a collaboration happening there. But it's just such a testament to their talent and their personalities to just make something of such good quality and in what looked to be a smaller budget. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, because I think, honestly, most of the budget probably went to their... Oh, absolutely. Went to the cast, yeah. Yeah. They're, and they're clearly just having fun, which is awesome. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. The, uh, you can't beat that, especially when the movie is supposed to be fun. Uh, mm-hmm. And you get to watch these actors that you already like having fun together. That's, that's half of the yeah. appeal of this movie, I think. Yeah. That's it, why, I mean, I, I know a lot of people soured on it. I, I still am a huge fan of American Hustle. Mm. And I think the I thing that, that made that, I think it's so funny. I think it's got a really smart script, but it's all of these actors who are it right now. I mean, mm-hmm. those that's, that's the A-list in mm-hmm. that movie, you know, and... They're all having a grand old time. You know, nobody is, I don't want to say they're not trying, but it's not, nobody's really making the effort to create this character because it's natural, because they're having fun. Yeah. They're playing larger than life characters in a way that, you know, leans a little bit on them being recognizable, but also being likable. It's, mm-hmm. it's so cool. The, I will say this about David O. Russell, maybe move to a different uh, cast ensemble for a, a little bit. Okay. Because. Well, they got the movie. He's got the movie Joy coming out. Yeah, yeah. With Jennifer, fucking. Why do I want to say love Lawrence. you? It love Lawrence, Jennifer Lawrence, Bradley Cooper, Robert De Niro. It's like yeah. fucking Silver Linings Playbook all over again. Mm-hmm. I, I think this, I, this this should be the last one. Like I, Three but Kings. I wonder though, too, go like, back to Three if, Kings. I want to oh, see yeah, Three Kings great. again. I, I just want Ice Cube back in the. Yeah, in the yeah, yeah. No, but I mean, then you then you look at someone like Paul Thomas Anderson, who's my out and out favorite. He uses the same core cast. Yeah. I mean. I don't he's really broken have a from with that. it. He he's broken from it. I mean, it really depends on, on who who we're talking about. I mean, Tarantino does it. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's a Tarantino movie outside of Reservoir Dogs that doesn't have Sam Jackson in some way, shape, or form. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but that's I feel like it's a little bit different because it is a little bit different. It's it's kind of like, and I'll equate it to this: like it's like going to see a local acting troupe over mm-hmm. and over again, like with different they they do different plays, but like that's that's okay in that venue. Mm-hmm. But if you're doing like a mass media production, like you're doing like a Christmas movie, which is what American Hustle was, which is what Joy will be, like you gotta mix it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. But what if it was just a different director on it? I feel like you wouldn't even be having that conversation. You know what I mean? It's it's almost I know, like I, I would say so. I would definitely have my qualms about it. But you think so? I feel yeah. like I wouldn't even put it together. Like, oh wait, last year there was a Christmas movie that starred these exact same people. See, it's a case by case basis yeah. for me yeah. because there's times where it's like, all right, Tim Burton, throw your Johnny Depp away and get a new toy. Yeah, yeah. it's yeah, yeah. not to say that I am not like. Did you guys see the trailer for Joy? Oh yeah, that's not wonderful. to say that I'm not yeah. excited about that oh, movie. Absolutely. Yeah. Like I, I saw the trailer with uh, my girlfriend when we went to go see Trainwreck this past weekend. She's like, "What's that movie about?" I was like, "I don't give a shit. I'll yeah. still see it." <laughs> yeah. It's David O. Russell, Bradley Cooper. Uh, and fucking Jennifer Lawrence. And it, it looks like, from the trailer, he's getting a little bit more kind of... I feel like a lot of this movie is going to live in her mind. It, mm-hmm. It's like You can tell from like kind of the scenery a little bit, it's going to be a little surrealistic. And I, I, that's, I think that's what's giving me hope for this movie. Uh, he hasn't really been that surreal. There's a couple moments in like I Heart Huckabees, but Three Kings is very surreal. That's There's the, movie, that's the know, movie I was... 
I wanted to cite with I Heart Huckabees is that it's going to be a little little weirder, and I'm okay mm. with that. I'm totally into that, and yeah. I like I Heart Huckabees. That That's still one of my favorite movies. Oh, made. yeah. Oh, it's so funny. Um, anybody have... Uh, yeah, we should do some recommendations. recommendations. I, I, know, I got a couple, actually. I've, uh, I'm going to crack open this... Uh, oh, sure. Yeah, Peanut butter, do. chocolate peanut butter crunch porter while right you do this. Perfect. Well, uh, I'll throw this out there. This is... It. a. It's not a new movie by any means, but I think it's a good time to go back and watch Mission Inco- Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol. Oh yeah, I rewatched that. This is Mission Impossible Four. I did like a series review, getting ready for Rogue Nation, which I'm really, really, really mm-hmm. super stoked mm-hmm. for. And uh, Ghost Protocol is almost perfect. I would say that it is perfect. Only I'm just leaving that extra half star for Rogue Nation. Right. I'm hopeful. But it's it's amazing, and yeah. and when I run it against Brad Bird's most recent movie, Tomorrowland, which it's not the best movie, I enjoyed it, but sure. I don't think I could ever watch it again. I I, I want to see Brad Bird kind of. Now, I mean, not that Mission Impossible can't be watched by kids, but it's not a kids movie the way Tomorrowland is. Sure, you know, it's not a kids movie the way The Incredibles was or The Iron Giant was, which yeah. all. Like fucking awesome movies, but they're re-releasing the Iron Giant. I would, mm-hmm. I would see that director's cut in theaters. Oh yes, digitally remastered. Vin Diesel, yeah. Dominic Toretto, and uh, no, but it, uh, Ghost Protocol is a ton of fun. It's just nonstop. People remember him climbing on the tower in Dubai as like this big scene. People forget that that scene is a the huge. It's the second act is in Dubai, and it is a giant. Super long heist with every aspect of a heist imaginable, mm-hmm. and, and it's just—it's it's so much fun. Correct Simon me if I'm wrong, hilarious. but it seems like it's going to be impossible what they do. Mm-hmm. Well, that's see, that's what I love about it so much is that <laughs> Ethan Hunt, no matter what, will not let the mission die. Yeah. There's points where it's done, and every character around him goes, "Give up." That's it. We lost it. And well, even goes, in the first I'm one, not leaving without that briefcase. In the first twenty minutes, his entire team dies. Like, no way, I'm gonna yep. finish this shit. Yeah. And he finishes it. Yeah. And that's that's what he does. Is he is the best IMF agent, Impossible Mission Force, because yep. that's their job. When the mission is impossible, they complete the mission. Impossible it's Mission great. Force. And you can that's say whatever so you funny. want about Tom Cruise. I'm gonna defend him to the end because Ethan Hunt is a character. It's oh, not yeah. what he's playing in other movies. He is a definitive. Mission Impossible 2, Mission Impossible <laughs> <Yeah>. Woo, uh, <laughs> aside, it's a consistent character. The movies have a very consistent tone. And even though the tech has aged in the past 19 years yeah, since the original tw- came a 20-year-old out, series. they all still have that tone. They all still look good, minus Woo. And, and 4 just is a, is a fucking grand slam. It I is can't wait to watch it again. It's the exciting, funny, action-packed movie. Renner and Peg, back and forth. I could watch them discuss plans forever it, it's awesome i'm really excited I, alec baldwin's in this new one yes he's yeah. awesome and he's gonna fit that tone perfectly yeah oh uh, what's his name tom wilkinson was that kind of character yeah. in four mm-hmm. and uh yeah i won't say too much that's a there's a wild scene with him uh i want to recommend i'm gonna make these quick because i've just watched a lot of movies over the last week the or two it tastes like a reese's peanut butter cup yeah Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Uh, I've watched like a lot. I do want to try that. Uh, I've watched like a lot of movies over the last week or two. I watched Creep, which is on Netflix right now. I Love totally Creep. recommend. Yeah, Creep, Creep is, is cool. fun and funny and weird and definitely scary. And uh, short. And short, yes. Uh, I want to recommend Housebound as well, uh, which I know Dan saw last year. And we were talking about this uh, mm. in my review of it, which was uh, you saw it w- when it was coming out last mm. year, which was at the height, uh, literally for you at the height, but also I think for the public, at the height of a bunch of great horror last year. Mm. The guest and came out, it follows came out, 
Housebound came out. The Babadook came out. A lot of stuff came out last year, all around the same time. And I will say I think most of those movies I listed overshadow Housebound a little bit. Mm -hmm. But Housebound is worth your time. It's It's very creative. Netflix right now. It's super creative. Really Mm -hmm. fun. And the best, to me, the best thing is it's one of those movies that like starts in one place and you're like, oh yeah, I I know what this movie is. And then all of a sudden it is a different movie. That's a good reveal. Yeah. And I really, really liked it. I Uh, I had issues mostly with just like the pacing of it. uh I don't think I found it as funny as it found itself. Mm -hmm. Um, But it did remind me of Frighteners era Peter Jackson. Oh, yeah. And so it had that tone. And so I appreciate it. And, you know, of course, it's I think it's New Zealand-ish. And so it's it's of that ilk. And it is worth watching. And the last 20 minutes are just like tits on the wall insanity. It's it's cool. I really. And I I, I saw that the same day as I saw It Follows. Follows and the guest, and it follows that. That to me is as good as Halloween. It's mm-hmm. our Halloween. It's perfect. Mm-hmm. And I rank that with The Shining. I love it. I, I think I said to so you. So it pales a little. I should watch it again, not on the best day that's, of movie I think watching I said ever. to you, because uh, you were like, yeah, I saw that on the same day as so It Follows and the Guest. And I was like, well, to be fair, if I were doing like a sort of like a movie marathon of like modern horror, I would put those three movies back to back to back. Oh, yeah. It would just start with Housebound. Here's the thing. The order that I saw them in was Housebound, It Follows, then The Guest. At, that's the order I'd put them in. You'd probably maybe switch those last two for Impact. I would It Follows. Yeah. But at the same time, I, that could have exhausted me for that's It Follows. True. That's you know? true. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so I want to recommend both those movies and real quick. I I'm going to say this. It Follows is on Redbox now, so oh. you have no fucking excuse. Yes, see that. Yeah. Uh, and real quick, I wanted to recommend Faults, which I just watched on Netflix as well. Not The Fault in Our Stars. No, Faults. I was confused about that earlier. Uh, and not San Andreas, which yeah, is about a breach of a fault. <laughs> Uh, th- I, this is one of those movies that's... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That's okay. So it took you a while to get that. Don't yeah. worry. Yeah, it, it it's took, not your fault. <laughs> <laughs> all right. No, all right. Dan, Over. Dan is dancing. Uh, <laughs> You're the, the wicker? <laughs> that's the wicker dance. It's John Wicker. It's the uh, wicker dance from the wicker man. Yeah. Uh, he, uh, I just... Uh, Faults is a movie that you can't really talk about, I think. It's better to just see it and enjoy it. Uh, loosely, it's about a, a girl in a cult uh, and the, uh, the deprogrammer that her parents hire to try and get her out of the cult. Uh, and it's just, um, it's funny. It's, it's, it's how I describe all the other movies I just described. I would watch all three of them just back to back because it's funny, it's weird and it's scary. Uh, nice. and I really liked it. That's uh, on my, my list. Yes. Uh, to check it out. It's, it's really, really good. And who does it star? Say it stars name. Leland Orser. Yes. Uh, <laughs> who is an actor everyone has seen and doesn't know they've seen him. And this is maybe his first starring role that I'm aware of. And he's great. He's great. And Mary Elizabeth Winstead, whose husband wrote, whose husband wrote and directed it. Yeah, first time director. Uh, really well directed too. Actually, you'll appreciate like I'm how excited. it looks. Yeah, I'm excited. I've heard a lot of buzz. Uh, I've got a couple recommendations. They're kind of gonna jump all over the place. Please. That's fine. Uh, I will recommend Trainwreck. I think it is. I see that. Fucking such a good time. If you're like summertime, I feel is the best season for movies, other than Oscar season, because it's just a time where you can go and just kind of relax and veg yeah. out and just fucking. Just take my mind somewhere else, and it, it's, uh-huh. so, it's, it's so, funny. It's so fun and funny, and it it just wraps up so perfectly. And Amy Schumer puts on like a, a an impressive performance. Oh yeah, it's not just her doing stand up with a movie written around it. Like she puts on a like a really good dr- a dramatic performance as well as the comedy. And I had a problem with the ending originally, but then mm. and I'll talk to you about this after because I don't want to spoil it for anybody. But I but I think that the ending is actually insanely perfect mm. for what the story, what the message is actually about. And there is a there is a slight message, but it's not preachy. Mm. Um, I recently, because I am a huge Star Wars nerd, I rewatched uh, Star Trek Into Darkness. 
mm. because oh, I wanted to because I wanted to see J.J. <laughs> Abrams in not that universe, but in that ballpark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I gotta say that movie is fucking phenomenal. Yo, up top. That yeah. movie is <laughs> I so movie. fucking. The first time I was like, Meh. but the second time, maybe it was the half a bottle of wine I drank while I was watching it. But I was like, this movie is fucking perfect. Abram is not gonna fucking disappoint me come Christmas. You know what? Maybe I will watch that again because I, I I liked that movie when I saw it in theaters. I just I liked know. it just fine, but yeah. the sec- for whatever reason, the second the second time I watched it, I was like. Holy shit, J.J. Abrams is going to fucking do I mean, this right. I find a lot of movies actually benefit from a second watch yeah. because you can divorce yourself from what do I expect and oh, yeah, is yeah. it achieving it? And it's just, well, now you know what to expect, so just watch it and appreciate what it is. You, you, I was looking look at it like it. this. Yeah. Like, yeah. You're like The first time you're kind of learning the rules yes. and the second time yeah. you're playing the game, so to yeah. speak. Um, so my uh, next recommendation... If you watch it, follows, watch it twice. Yes. I can't. I don't like horror movies anymore. I used to be huge into Nightmare on Elm Street, Halloween, Friday the 13th, and now I just, I don't know. We'll don't watch know. it together. We can right. smuggle. Right. <laughs> I just hold my hand. That's all I ask. Uh, my final recommendation is not going to be a movie, but... Okay. It, I know what it is. It plays like a 12-hour movie, and you have to watch it with an open mind because it is such a boldly original thing. It is a Netflix original series by the name of Sense8. I knew that. Oh, movie. interesting. It is okay. the Wachowskis... Yeah. Um, Latest project, also produced by J. Michael Straczynski, who's written oh, yeah. mm-hmm. a lot of really good comic books, and also not Babylon Five. I don't know what Babylon show he did. Six. No, the, what was the one where they're just trying to find Earth the entire time? That might Sliders. be Babylon Five. Maybe it's Babylon Five. Either way, he's he's a really great science fiction writer. This show is so ahead of its time that that's why a lot of people are like shitting on it right now because. And I'll, I'll concede to this. The acting is a little bit over the top sometimes. But the production value is great. The message is great. You care about these characters so much. And I don't think it was marketed well. But if you watch it with an open mind and just kind of soak it all in, it, it's such a good watch. I always love the Wachowskis. Yeah, Even I'm, when I'm, they fail, it's always noble. Well, yeah. I've always thought that, like, I, so I hated Cloud Atlas. Mm. But that's because I didn't understand it. I did not see Jupiter Ascending because I knew that I would hate it. Mm. But I feel like the Wachowskis, maybe they're just on this other plane that maybe in like 20, 25 years we're going to look back on those films and be like, wow, these are actually really good. Like these are. Read Cloud Atlas, then go watch Cloud Atlas. I don't Cloud want to Atlas. read Cloud Atlas because I saw it and it was a piece of shit. No, no, no. no, 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 no. <laughs> the book is, is, it's everything like the movie, but it's nothing like the movie. I, I wish there was a way to describe it. It's a Russian doll kind of thing where you read a story and then it builds to the central story and then you go back to the outside again. Yeah. But each tale is told in a different storytelling style so there's no way to really put that on screen in a way that's a coherent narrative and that was where i thought cloud atlas didn't work but i loved it because it did the same thing where it told all of these stories you know loosely connected just through reference but told each of them in a different style of film yeah and so they they took the experience of reading the book and brought it to the screen probably the best way that you could but it's a companion piece to the book, yeah, and vice versa, you know, and and like I said, like the the Wachowskis are doing things that aren't done in film, and you got to at least respect them for taking risks. Mm-hmm. And for with Sense Eight, like I really do, and like I like I say it plays out like a twelve hour movie. I actually mean that. Like I always say, Breaking Bad played out like a forty eight hour movie. Mm-hmm. But you got to look at it if you look at it like individual episode by episode. There were a lot of cliffhangers and a lot of like hooks to get you to watch that next episode. There's really nothing to get me to watch the next episode except for I give a shit. Like, I mm. want to know what happens That's next. actually, yeah, the, the only thing I've really heard about Sense8 is that it is a difficult watch because they, 
it's just written in a way where they they know it's going to be binged watched. Mm. So yes. they like they pay no attention to the idea that like an episode has to have an ending that would make you want to watch more. Mm-hmm. It just ends. I'm sold. I I'm into it. I mean. Yeah. I, I enjoyed Jupiter Ascending. I think it's a deeply, deeply flawed movie, and I, I think there was just a lot of straight-up fuck-ups in it. I really enjoyed it, though. I think it's like just a carnival of fun. But one of the issues is it probably should have been 12 hours long. Yeah. You know, like, there, there's so... Same thing with Cloud Atlas, I'm is sure. The, is, yeah, exactly. Like, it should have been 12 hours long. So to see the Wachowskis tell an original story and have the time to do it, that's cool. Yeah. I, I'm into that idea, you know? Plus, they have powers, yeah, it's like I've been describing it as heroes meets lost, but if both were consistently good. <laughs> All right, I, you I actually are making me want to check it out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that sounds. That now sounds I will say cool. this: the first couple, the first four episodes, kind of a struggle. Uh, it's, I heard it's very slow, and because it doesn't have those cliffhangers or even just like any sense of like this episode is ending now. You know, yeah. like there's not resolutions even apparently in some of the episodes. Mm-hmm. So just like the credits come up. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but like I said outside, like we live in a culture now because of things like Breaking Bad and Game of Thrones right. where it's like, I need action. I need something big yeah. to happen right now. But instead of like kind of savor, it's like fast food compared to like yeah. savoring like a nice steak. Yeah. Like it, it is, it's a slow burn. Yes. But this is something that I watched maybe a month and a half ago and it is like I still think about yeah. the things that I've I learned and the things that stuck nice. with me from this show. That definitely makes me want to watch and it. And I did not like it's 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 something that I didn't even realize after I was done watching it. I was like, wow, that was really good. But then like it took me a couple weeks to be like, wow, that was really, really fucking good. And like the more I think about it, the more I like it and the more I really hope season two gets signed on because that's still kind of in limbo. And since, I heard that at nine <laughs> I heard that it does have some very inventive action in it as well. Yeah, so basic premise is eight people realize they share a consciousness and they can do something called visit or I forget what the the word is, but they can interfere where they would like take control of that person's body. Uh, so for instance, there's a scene where this guy's kind of in trouble. I'm going to start this tonight. <laughs> there's, there's this guy that's kind of like in a little bit of trouble, like hot water, and this... Um, this girl who knows a lot of karate jumps into his body and gets him out of the situation. Yeah. And it's, and then at the same time she, so she jumps out and then a cop jumps in to like shoot somebody at oh, a long cool, distance. Cool. So it's that's, cool. That sounds cool yeah. to me. I'm fascinated I did not know by that. That, that. That was, that's the basic. Yeah. Conceit. That's really yeah. cool. I, I knew that they shared a consciousness. I didn't know about that whole jumping thing. Yeah. And I imagine that plays both ways where you can help someone out or fuck them over. And there's, and the other thing is like, we talk a lot about exposition, at least the two times I've been here. There's not a lot of it. Like mm. a, that's cool. A lot of times, someone will just show up, and I'll be like, "Oh, hey, Garrett. Mm-hmm. I won't know your name, but like, I'll be like, "Oh, hey, right. Like, and we'll just start having you? a yeah, conversation. We'll start, just start yeah. talking. Mm-hmm. And like, there's no, there's no like, oh my god, what are you do? like, Doc Brown kind of like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like, what are you doing here? But like, it's it's a lot of really good, just just t- like a lot of dialogue, a lot of good action. Definitely check it out. Cool. That's my long-winded recommendation. Right Great. on. Let's wrap it up. Let's do plugs. Wrap it, up. it is time. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Philadelphia. That's with an F. You can find the show on Twitter at I Like Two Movie. That's with the number two. Facebook.com slash I Like Two Movie. Uh, we should have an event page going up this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, we got some Jason Statham flyers coming out for August 13th at Philomoca Movie Movie Live. Jason Statham edition. Uh, we have an awesome panel. Alex Perlman, Hillary Ray, and Bren Maddox. It's going to be fun. It's going to be awesome. Be there. Mm-hmm. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. I think I actually might post the screenshots of when I booked Perlman. Yeah. Because it's it's unreal. But, <laughs> Ron um, Perlman? 
Uh, no, 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 Alex Perlman. Oh, uh, not not so Sorry, much. Sorry, we've been messing up names all night. Yeah. I just wanted to make absolutely sure it was not Ron Perlman. Uh, but um, yeah, you can find me anywhere at Dan Scully. That's what I have, and log on to Cinadelphia.com and uh, check out some movie reviews. And of course, uh, we're both on Letterboxd under the same names, Philadelphia yeah. and Dan Scully. So that's right. Check uh, those out and uh, read some reviews. I just reviewed my hundred and fifth movie for the year. Nice, one hundred and five movies this year. Nice. I heard, I've heard you come a long way from twelve. Yeah, I, I have. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I think I think I might be at twelve this year. Yeah. Well, I feel like I probably that year watched more than twelve movies. That was just twelve movies of that year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, anything you want to plug? Is there anything you'd like so to share? I usually don't. Every time you've had me on any podcast, I've been like, ah, fuck it. I don't use Twitter or anything. But I feel like I will do that now. I'm on Twitter at uh, S. Allen Design, A L L E N Design. Uh, I'm having it. I'm updating my website right now, which Ooh. you can visit at Stephen Allen Design, S T E P H A L L E N Design.com. And I am available for your design needs. Shameless right plug. He's very good. Uh, the I Like to Movie Movie logo is a Steve design. Steve that is an original that, yeah. I, that I forgot that I did until I started listening <laughs> to the podcast again this week. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, I did this. That's yeah. cool. Well, it's good to have you back. Yeah, well, <laughs> hey guys, thanks again for having me. Hey, it's always you. a good your time. Your DNA has been on, on a lot of the my creative pursuits in, in many ways. Yes. So welcome to have your DNA all over Anytime. me. Anytime. <laughs> Anytime. <laughs> And Dan Scully always gets the free rate, but none of you do. And make sure uh, this weekend, guys, at Six Flags, Joan Cusack (laughs) and the Blackhearts uh, with Alice Cooper and the B-52s singing their hit song, Fart Party. It's going to be a wonderful evening. Fright Fest in July. What is wrong with you? (laughs) I'm feeling silly. I got a good riff going on. All right, let's do it. You want to do it? Let's kick it off. Let's wrap it up. Uh, My name is Garrett Smith, and I like to movie movie. My name is Dan Scully, and I like to movie movie. My name is Stephen Allen, and I like to movie movie. And we all know that you like to movie movie because Because we we like to movie. movie.